did you see that video of um tim cook like awkwardly like having to like hug this like random guy yeah that was that was awkward he was like what did he say he he said i want to show you how we dab or something yeah something like in that, oakland yeah. or i don't know but like dab is like you like bend over isn't it? it's not like hugging i don't, I don't know <laughs> well they, they i mean i'm down with the kids right so the dab in that i understand is where you like tuck your head into your like elbow or whatever and you like lean over oh yeah oh i think it's dap dap it up dap oh. or maybe i don't know yeah dap me up a hand motion used to greet someone similar to a handshake or fist bump mm. cool. i was like that is so awkward like then the guy walks away and he is, says like i can't wait to show you what i do with it or something yeah and Tim Cook someone just said stood that there. Someone said he's like worked with him before or something. Like he's like worked with Apple before on like a oh really like a shot on iPhone campaign, which I think is what he meant. Like uh, I thought he was just making fun of Tim Cook, always saying I can't, we can't wait to see what you do. I wasn't it. sure. I mean, I didn't do any more research than that. But the one comment I saw said that he did like a shot on iPhone campaign. So I was like, okay, at least that comment makes some more sense because like there's you can no way do a shot on iPhone campaign with a 15 camera. But there's I don't no think Tim knew Tim who he Cook. was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, who is this weirdo? And then you've got, I believe it, Carol Surface, right? The new communications VP right next to him. Oh, really? I think that was her, yeah. And she clearly didn't know what to do in the situation either. She's just like... <laughs> he had, like, dedicated, like, like a handler, man. I'm not surprised when you got people doing that. Because like... he was taking those selfies with people and some, like, random guy dropped, like, a big boom microphone over him to record the... I don't know. But the handler guy swatted it out of the way. <laughs> I was like, no. They do get, I mean, they do get some crazy people. It's definitely more of a free-for-all than the old uh, Katie Cotton era. Yeah. Katie Cotton era, you wouldn't be allowed in with a boom arm, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I was trying the only thing they get... seem to be super strict about is if you share video from inside the theater, they don't like that. Yeah. Like, after the event started. Which was obviously more applicable when uh, it was live, but still. Was it Leo Laporte who like held his laptop? Yeah, he held it, it was the original iPad, and he he streamed on his MacBook, <laughs> and he just turned his MacBook around and did it through the iSight camera, the whole thing. And, he, and I don't think he ever got invited. He never back. got invited again. No. Well, because obviously that was they didn't stream it right back then, so that would have been the only way to like video it live yeah. was to like watch him watch watch his stream. Said the stream had 150,000 views. Because they didn't start consistently live streaming for like another like four years. Because they'd, they'd film it themselves and release yeah. it afterwards, but it wasn't live for like a long time. And then they did it like on and off like a couple of times and then they stopped doing it and then they finally like committed to it. But yeah, that was like a good five years probably after he was doing that. So I guess I'm the one who has an apology to issue this week because last week I was a little grumpy little about sorry, not getting invited. Sorry. Yeah. Throwing some shade at Apple and then sure enough, what, about 12 hours later, got a call from Apple PR inviting me to the iPhone event. So of course I said yes, spent an obscene amount of money on flights in a hotel and I was there. I was Woo! in the Steve Jobs theater. So yeah, we love you again, Apple. Never downloaded it. 
remember two weeks ago we were like i'll take out the trash for tim cook i'll be his bodyguard or whatever <laughs> surprisingly i didn't have any responsibilities but but that is the because obviously you went to wwdc but wwc is held outside on the grass inside apple park right uh, and you did get the nice little vision pro uh, demo experience in the special like pop-up building they made but i should have checked to see if that's still there it's got to be gone, right? They probably took it yeah. down the next day. The um, What was that story? The Apple employees were mad that it, they built it on their soccer field or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Probably and, gone. and any like ongoing relationships they do with that will be done in the developer center, probably. They've right. got loads of rooms yeah. in there where they can have partners come in and test it out or whatever. Um, but yeah, this is your first time ever being inside the Steve Jobs Theater. So that's pretty cool. It was. At WWDC, I was on the upper level very briefly to look at the new macbook air and whatever else mac pro but yeah this was my first time emerging down the stairs into the theater and that theater is nice it's like nicer than you would expect based on just video the seats are well made of leather so you have to wonder if that's about to change that was a but, joke we were having in the slack while you were moving oh, filing yeah. in because uh, was- those leather seats like each bench costs 14 grand each seat each, costs 14 grand seat, yeah I don't know if they were fourteen grand nice, but they were nice. Yeah, because they're like little like benches, right? With like X number of chairs per yeah. one. So like each bench is fourteen grand according to okay the rumors makes... of the uh, like obviously when Apple Park was being built, right? They had to like cost stuff or whatever, and it stuff's leaked out. So yeah, supposedly Apple spent fourteen grand because it's some special Italian leather from some rare place or whatever. So yeah, it would be um, a costly uh, exchange, and there is ongoing rumors that. Tim Cook was unhappy at the amount of money the overall Steve Jobs Theater cost uh, because it went over budget. Oh, really? Because basically, the rumor is that Johnny Ive like went crazy, right? Uh, like, yeah. Because oh, obviously he was in charge of Apple Park in general, but the budget like ballooned and ballooned and ballooned, and it was delayed so long that uh, the costs went through the roof. But especially on Steve Jobs Theater, uh, Johnny Ive was very particular about what he wanted, and obviously only went for the most premium stuff and the. Did you see this? The um, where it, where it's written Steve Jobs Theater in, engraved into the like brick mm-hmm. work. Got some pictures of that. Yeah. So the rumor is Johnny Ive had that redone four times because <laughs> he didn't like how it was done, the font or whatever. So uh, you honestly don't even see it if unless you're looking for it. It's so subtle well, and so small compared to the wall that it's on. It's like well, think how much it that. cost them to do that four times yeah. over. The screen is incredible. And it's like anytime it would switch to white, primarily like a slide or whatever, it's blinding. The audio is. I, don't, I was sitting right next to the sound booth, and they have like a whole like concert style sound rig down there. I want to know if like Apple employees get to watch movies and. They do hold like special stuff there. in there, um, but I don't know. If I know do. that's where they do like the shareholder. Yeah, they did the shareholder uh, meeting in there. And I think um, some groups do, like, presentations in there oh, on yeah. occasion. Um, but I don't know if they do, like, film, you know, movie nights. That'd be kind of cool. Maybe they will uh, <laughs> with all their TV Plus stuff these days or the whatever. Well, but. no, they'll sit in their, in they'll sit in Steve Jobs Theater, but everybody will wear their own Vision Pro. Yeah. So that's – they're they're actually going to take out the screen. So everything is on Vision Pro. But yeah, that's it's a cool theater. I've never been in it, but it looks cool. I got to see the coolest part probably was seeing like the Apple people milling around even before like in the refreshments area, seeing Greg Joswiak, 
Phil Schiller, a couple other people. Then, of course, in the theater itself, you see like all the Apple executives in the front row. There was Eddie Q, who was wearing the brightest traffic cone orange colored shirt you could imagine. Just standing out even from a mile away. You're like, yep, that's Eddie Q. <laughs> and you had, who else? There was Jaws, Schiller, Kevin Lynch, John Turnus, and of course, Craig Federighi. Kevin Lynch went sprinting out of the theater at some point, presumably to take a quick bathroom break. I thought that was funny. <laughs> it was during a video, too, like an like a demo, like hype video type thing. So he's just like all of us. Those are the bathroom breaks. That's pretty funny. Yeah, Tim Cook came out on stage and gave some very brief good mornings and welcomes to all of us. And yeah, then he hit play on the video. <laughs> so we got the intro video was another like Apple Watch and iPhone save life, basically like emergency SOS via satellite, all the different Apple Watch heart monitoring features. And What did you think of this one? Did you think it was too much or... Yeah, so I would say this entire event was um, punctuated with some divisive video choices that have been... I don't know if you saw this because obviously you were in the room doing hands-on and stuff, but a lot of the chatter on social media directly after was about uh, this video and the environmental one that we'll talk about later. Uh, I saw some people loving them and some people like hating them or whatever. Uh, the, the, the Apple Watch Save Live video theme... I'm not a huge fan of in general. It's just... I get really? it, but yeah. I don't like that they... Like, you know, the Apple Watch is helping save the life, but also the emergency services are doing most of the work. You know, like so like, yeah. there's always that thing where it's like, is Apple taking too much credit here? I think this attempt at the Apple Watch Save Live uh, category was better than the one they did a year ago, the year before, where they, like, recreated the car crash. Uh, that was bad. Yeah, that yeah. was like the bottom of the barrel uh but they've done several this one was okay uh i still don't love it though like the whole send i wish they'd just have more i always think it's weird that they like start off these like product announcements with a very somber like this person nearly died <laughs> it's like you know it's not really the theme i would i would go for i would choose like these are the kind of things that I feel like if they should probably make the videos, but not like make them in the event, just put them on YouTube and like have a section on their website about, you know, how the Apple Watch and the iPhone are thing live. I don't really like that they like push it as much as they do. I always felt like the product should stand on their own and like the life saving stuff should just be like a bonus, you know, not like the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm never going to be like a huge fan. Uh, I especially don't like the tagline of this. So if you do go on YouTube, the, the, the name of the video is the birthday they thought they'd never have because. The yeah. video just shows like a load of obviously like stage birthdays of people who had accidents, wherever, and the Apple Watch, the iPhone, help them get out. Uh, and it's like, well, if they weren't, if they didn't have an iPhone or Apple Watch, well, they wouldn't have seen the next birthday. It's not the greatest tone. I don't like. I don't like it really. But it wasn't the worst one, I'd say, on the ranking of Apple Watch saved lives. In the theater, the reaction was mostly positive, obviously, but that's because like half the people in the theater are Apple PR and Apple employees. The, what was the year where the whole angle of the video was like, Dear Tim, mm. Dear Mr. Cook? Was that last year? Was that the same one where they recreated the car crash they scene? Done, they've done Dear Tim a couple of times. So I like that format. That feels like more the personal. Car crash, the car yeah. crash was one of the Dear Tim ones, uh, but okay. they, it wasn't the original one. So they've done like Dear Tim like two or three years in a row. The car crash was the most recent one. Um, yeah, Dear Tim as the category was kind of clever. I guess because they've done it three times in a row, they tried to do it different way uh, but 
yeah. This was definitely better than Dear Tim Car Crash, for sure. Then after the video, what? We had Tim on screen saying, big announcements, making it clear right off the bat, Apple Watch and iPhone were the focus. But then he did a little switch up, and he's like, <laughs> first, a couple updates on the Mac. But and no, I, this, I like looked around, and was I was like, like, what? This section I hated. Uh, it was all filler. It was, I was literally like, about to like WWE announce a price? again. I was like, what? What is the point? Did you get tricked, though? Like, did you think there was a little surprise coming? I thought they were going to announce something. Yeah, like, you know, he didn't just say, like, but because I feel like if they, if what they should have done is recap the other way around. Like, the introduction should have been Tim saying, well, we've just, we're yeah. coming off the back of the M2 MacBook Pro and the, the M2 MacBook Air 15 inch. It's great. Vision Pro developers are so excited. And now we've got, today, we're going to talk about big announcements about products, Apple Watch, and iPhone. Like, do it that way around. But, the way they framed it, it was like, we've got big announcements about Apple Watch and iPhone, but first, let's talk about the Mac. I was like, oh, maybe they're going to do like a little, you know, something or other, maybe not like a whole new Mac or something, but like a little update or, you know, a little, little accessory or something like tiny. But no, it was literally just, we introduced the M2 Mac Studio Mac Pro in June and people love them. MKBHD says he thinks the 15-inch MacBook Air will be the best-selling 15-inch laptop ever, which was kind of funny in the lights of the rumors that the 15-inch MacBook Air hasn't been selling very well. Uh, that yeah. was kind of amusing and then they had the, basically the same thing for the Vision Pro it's like yeah we're still on track to ship it early next year like we said before but we're not even going to show you anything like we're not going to show you a new demo or anything special it's li- literally the same thing over again I thought that this segment was pretty bad because of that exact reason like you don't have to have a whole new product to go out to go out or you know some crazy announcement but you know show something you only need like a 10 set like a vision pro you could say and here's an example of an app that somebody's been building right now and to show you something we've never seen before right but they literally showed you the exact same thing and then for the mac section it's at least an opportunity where they could have mentioned like and mac and sonoma is bringing all these new software features to your for free from september 26th you know what i mean like they could at least yeah. just thrown it in there to make something newsworthy out of it but it was just a complete recap segment so yeah, I thought it was stupid. But yeah, like you said, Mac OS Sonoma, September 26th, which is kind of weird. It's usually October. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense to get it closer to iOS, which is what, September 16th, I think? Is that 18th, right? 18th. 18th, yeah. September 18th, because so many of the features like are the same on both platforms. And if you have your iPhone on iOS 17 and your Mac is behind on Ventura, like some of the features just don't work. So I'm glad that they're kind of getting them closer to being in sync i also think it's kind of a signal that they're not going to have any crazy mac announcements in october because some of the reason why they've delayed it in other years is they like do it at the event where they announce the the, yeah. the new laptop or whatever um but yeah so bringing it together is a is decent it's it's i think it's the first time since mojave that exactly that a mac os update has come out in september so they haven't done it for a while but if they haven't got anything else to like pair it with why not one of the lines that Tim Cook said that I thought stood out was before we segued into the Apple Watch Series 9 introduction, he said, the Apple Watch and iPhone are with us all the time, and if you left either one at home, I bet you'd go back and get it. That was like a good marketing line, I thought. It's much, like if he just would have introduced, we're talking about iPhone, Apple Watch, then said that, then cut to Series 9, that would have been perfect. I don't know why they muddled it up. Yeah, because that came afterwards. Yeah. So they said, yep. we got big announcements at Apple Watch and iPhone, but first we're going to talk about Vision Pro and Mac, but nothing actually new. And then we're going to have this like pretty good intro to the iPhone and Apple Watch section again. It was like, I don't know, it was kind of rough. But it also, as soon as they did that update section, there was nothing new. I was like, 
here we go. It's going to be a down year. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> at WWDC, they, you know, they can barely breathe without announcing something new, you know, like this year or whatever. It was, like, so jam-packed. And previous years, you know, back in the old days, they'd ha- they'd spend, like, 10 minutes talking about retail stores, and that got wiped out. Uh, but this event was, like, we've definitely got time to breathe because uh, here's some stuff that you've definitely heard before. But... Hey, at least the uh, then it was only in the end it was only about ten minutes total before we got into uh, the actual announcements of the day, and that started with the series nine. But first, Happy Hour is sponsored by Declutter. Now that the iPhone 15 lineup has been announced, old iPhone models are about to see a drop in value. Historically, that drop has been about fifteen percent in the first month following the launch of new iPhones, and up to twenty-seven percent depreciation three months after launch. That means that now is the time to lock in the trading value of your old phone before upgrading to your brand new iPhone 15. Declutter is 9to5Mac's official trading partner and it offers a fast, easy and free way to sell your old devices. And it's a better deal than carrier buyback programs. Declutter pays over 33% more and they do it in cold, hard cash. Declutter makes it easy to lock in your iPhone's trading value with a generous 28-day price lock. That means you can keep using your current iPhone and send your device in after you get your new iPhone 15 without having to take a depreciation hit. So to get started, hit the link in the show notes or head over to declutter.com slash 9to5Mac and tell them what you're selling and you'll get a free instant valuation. Use promo code 9to5Mac23 at checkout and Declutter will boost the value of your order by 10%. Then simply send them your items with free shipping and you can get paid the day after your items arrive by direct deposit or PayPal. That's Declutter, D-E-C-L-U-T-T-R dot com slash 9to5Mac with promo code 9to5Mac23. Thanks to Declutter for sponsoring the show. Jeff Williams was tasked with introducing the Series 9, where he's standing like on a dock somewhere. Like, I don't know if that was San Francisco, but it seemed kind of random. But it got us out of Apple Park, which was cool. And then I guess he really just tossed it to Deirdre Caldback, who was then in the chip lab, who told us about the new S9 chip. So as we've talked about, Apple Watch chips have been the same since the Series 6, even though they've renamed the chip every year. So we had the S6, the S7, the S8, all of which were the same. But the S9 is what Apple says, the fastest chip ever in an Apple Watch. And apparently the GPU is kind of the focus here with 30% speed improvements there. And they particularly pointed out how this is going to help some of the animations, particularly with the new widgets. But I don't really know what else that, what other sort of day-to-day improvements we'll see here. Yeah, they mentioned that the neural engine is now got twice as many cores, so it's twice as fast for some machine learning related stuff, some of which they announce, you know, shortly after. But I was a bit disappointed that after three years of having the same CPU, uh, the update in the S9 is not significant enough for them to mention the CPU difference. You know, like they were like, yeah. and we got the fastest Apple Watch chip ever. And they mentioned the, the GPU is 30% faster, which isn't a huge percentage when you're, you know, amortizing over three years of nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then they didn't even mention it, the difference in CPU. And if, I looked on the website afterwards. They don't mention like benchmarks or comparisons for CPU speed. So for not changing the chip in that long, I was kind of expecting a bit more, either on CPU, GPU speed, or on like efficiency to improve the battery life. But as we'll get to, the battery life stats aren't changed either. So the S9 chip was a bit of a letdown, to be honest. I was like expecting <laughs> a little bit more, and they didn't deliver. 
the big change does seem to be the new neural engine, which is a four-core neural engine. And I think probably the standout here is that this means that the Apple Watch can now process all of your Siri requests on device. Well, most. Theoretically, most. 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 Theoretically, that's going to make Siri a lot better. And one of the things they pointed to is better integration with the health app. So now you can use Siri on the Series 9 to log new health information. So you can say, Siri, today I weighed whatever, or Siri, what else would you say? Siri, my blood pressure today was this. They logged people. If you're a female, you can log your period or whatever, or medications at different times. Um, And you can just ask. It's not just logging. You can also just ask, like, what's my current heart rate? Mm -hmm. You know, what my activity rings? How much did I sleep? And I've actually tried to, or how many, you know, how many steps did I do this week? Like those kind of questions, I've tried to ask the watch before, and I've been kind of disappointed that Siri couldn't answer. Yeah. So the fact mm-hmm. they're adding that is is nice, um, and that's all done completely offline with nothing going to the server. Um, I I I guess like they they could have done Siri in health before, but it would have meant that those questions would have gone to the server and back, right? So right. now they they've got a higher standard of privacy, so they haven't done it. Um, but the the general feature of having the Siri requests processed on device, or at least the basics that you know the most common things like setting timers or starting workouts, is a huge deal. So they did this on the iPhone in 2021 for like iPhone 12 or newer, uh, and I think it, it they they pitched it at the time a lot on privacy because do you remember that was like around the time when there was that big scandal about um, them uploading the audio samples and having oh, yeah. humans mm-hmm. like read them over or whatever, and you know so they they transitioned to now transcription is only done on device and not sent to the cloud for the iphone at all um but the processing still does right like it goes to the server and back down but then uh, you know around 21 22 they started moving some of that on device too so if you ask like set timers and stuff like that the, the iphone can do it without having a network connection at all because it can dictate your voice you know it transcribes the text on on device and it can interpret what that text means and so now mm-hmm. with the improved performance of the neural engine in the series 9 they're also bringing that to the apple watch and i think the apple watch might even be a bigger deal because you know i try to use siri on the watch quite a lot and I'd say it's always a worse experience in the phone, and I I attribute a lot of that to just network latency. So for the watch, the watch is like you know heavily power constrained. It really prioritizes efficiency in everything, and so if you're near your phone, if you're near your paired phone, any network request on the watch first has to go over Bluetooth to the phone, which then does the request, and then has to send the response back over Bluetooth. And then if you're not connected to uh, your phone's bluetooth connection it then has to rely on the weaker radios that are either wi-fi or cellular inside the watch itself so you can easily get into conditions where you ask the watch to do something with siri and it just spins and it's like working on that and you have to wait and wait and wait and wait and for whatever reason there's some flakiness in it where sometimes the requests fail together or they take a really 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 long time so if they can make it now that when i ask it to set a timer it can just do it without having to talk to a cloud at all that cuts out that entire network stack. So I'm pretty looking forward to that, actually. I think that could make a big difference. Another change is new ultra-wideband chip inside. So I think Apple are cowards because they're calling it the ultra-wideband second generation and not the U2 chip, even though the first chip was the U1 chip. Why didn't they call it ultra-wideband chip in the first time? Then they could have avoided the problem <laughs> <Yeah>. altogether. <laughs> it's like... You know, you don't have to be a genius that if you're introducing version one of a chip, at some point you might be introducing a second generation <laughs> version of it. But they went head first, you know, we're going to bring U1. out the U1. 
And then they finally got around to U2. Everybody was ready for the uh, Bono finger touch Tim Cook jokes, right? And U2- I had some pre-read. Yeah, U2's in everyone's iPhone. Like, you know, Apple Apple cost us a lot of free engagement that day by uh, calling it second generation <laughs> ultra wideband. Uh, but yeah, this is the U2 chip, and it supports pinging. They 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 talked a lot about pinging your iPhone, which is apparently one of the think people do on the apple watch a lot uh, which to be fair i do a fair amount and um, so you wear your apple watch you go into control center and you can make your phone make a noise so you can go find it um but now if you have an iphone 15 it will allow you to find it'll ping the phone with the noise but it'll also show basically like an air tag ui on the screen for pre- precision finding so it shows you the arrow and it says you know turn left turn right walk in this direction 10 meters and there's your phone uh, it's a cool feature but it only works with devices that are using the same second-generation ultra-wideband chip, i.e. Apple Watch Series 9 and iPhone 15, iPhone 15 Pro. So if you're just buying a new Apple Watch and not upgrading your phone, hint, hint, that might be me, uh, this feature <laughs> doesn't work. So it's kind of a bummer. But <laughs> for whatever reason, it doesn't work between U2 and U1. It's U2 only. What else does the U2 chip do? Some HomePod stuff? Yeah, it works with the HomePod, yeah. which is kind of cool. Which... Obviously, the HomePod chips are not U2, so the the the, the random requirement there doesn't oh. apply. So for the HomePod, if you just come near it, you can look at your watch and it will automatically open the no-playing interface if the HomePod's playing music, kind of like what the phone does, right? When you bring the phone near the HomePod and it can do that short-range animation where it like gets bigger and then shows you the interface, they're bringing that to the watch. Uh, and if nothing's playing, if you open your smart stack of widgets on the clock face, it will put playback suggestions directly at the top so you can instantly start something on the HomePod just with your watch. So it's basically taking the nearby proximity features that the phone has for HomePod and bringing that to the watch too. But that's cool because, you know, I walk around the house quite a lot where I like leave my phone upstairs and I'm walking around with my watch only and, you know, put some music on. I can just do it directly from the watch just by standing near the HomePod. So that's a pretty nice nice addition. I feel like I'm going to turn this off just because I find these pop-ups and suggestions so annoying, especially on an iPhone. I don't need them again. If, Especially in iOS 17 where it pops up all the time. Yeah, I mean, the iOS 17 one is really bad, but that's also because it's not just, like, the iOS 17 one is triggered by more than just proximity. Like, it's not yeah, just using true. ultra wideband. It's just like, you're on the same Wi-Fi network in about the same time of day, <laughs> right? Uh, what it sounded like is they were only going to show these on the watch when you're, like, directly close to the HomePod. So at least you're mm-hmm. giving more intent there, which hopefully will result in less false positives. So I'm optimistic that that, that works. Because I have like the HomePods in my living room, right? If I just walk in near the HomePod with my watch, it'd be kind of cool if I could immediately see the now playing for that. Because quite often I want to like pause the HomePod, and my phone's upstairs, and I have to like open, you know, raise the wrist, click on the button, scroll and find the now playing app, switch it back to the Home. You know, there's quite a lot of steps involved yeah. there. So mm-hmm. if if it, if it can actually like read my mind and just show me what I want, that'd be really nice. The screen on the Series Nine has some updates, so it now has two thousand nits max brightness. And it can go all the way down to one nit of minimum brightness, which, what do they say? This is going to be used primarily for sleep mode. Mm. Make it a little bit dimmer. The 2000 nits max brightness thing is interesting because I think that's the same as last year's Ultra. Yeah, that's right. And it's the first increase in brightness since Series 6. It sounds about right. And it's mostly for like maximum brightness, right? Like um, in daytime, right. right? A bright sunlight and there's some like torch feature that they announced that they didn't really talk about but it's like super torch mode which basically just makes the screen go really bright while you're in the torch on the on the apple watch so that's something to take advantage of the, the, the extra nits 
The big thing, though, that Apple says the S9 chip and the new neural engine come together to do is something called Double Tap, a new way of interacting with Apple Watch where you tap your index finger and your thumb together twice, and it controls the primary button in whatever app you're using at that time. Or if it's notification, it controls the primary selection on that notification. So one of the examples they showed quite a bit is if you... If an alarm is going off on your Apple Watch, like trying to get you to wake up in the morning, you can now just double tap to snooze the alarm. Or if you're in the timer app, for example, you can start and stop timers using double tap, which actually sounds quite nice, especially if you're you're cooking. Mm-hmm. And previously you might have raised the Apple Watch up to your nose and tapped your nose on the button to stop the timer. Answer the, answering a call is a pretty big use case yeah like because you know your wrist vibrates you raise your wrist and then you've got to bring if you want to accept it today you've like bring your whole other hand over and click the button Mm -hmm. if you know if you can just quickly go tap tap and it does it that's pretty nice one of the things they were showing off in the demo area too that i thought was cool was you know the iphone camera viewer app on the apple watch the remote thing yeah yeah so if you open that on the apple watch you can double tap to take a picture on the iphone so you don't have to like awkwardly like hide your watch in the picture and tap the capture button. You can just double tap. I thought that was pretty cool. Did you get to try the double tap? I did, okay. and it it was pretty good. There's a little bit of like a setup process involved where I guess it has to learn learn like how your hands work. Calibrate I guess because what yeah because yeah, what they say they're doing here is using like machine learning to recognize how your wrists are moving, but then also changes in blood flow that apparently happen when you tap your index finger and thumb together, which if, I mean, the setup process was quick and if they're able to set it up that quick and recognize blood flow changes, that feels like a pretty big, pretty big little accomplishment there. But yeah, it worked really well. I think it's probably the biggest reason to upgrade to the Series 9. are you aware that this feature basically already exists? Yes, through accessibility. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they're talking like they were talking about this, and it's like the whole time that you know the 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 memories just come in the back of the head of when they had this exact feature in the accessibility last year, and it didn't require a new ML model or anything else. And it's like um, you know, does the accessibility version though have like the single? Like the two finger double tap, because yep. I know it's clinch. Your it has hand it has five one. different gestures you can do. Oh great! Never mind. You can do a double tap with a pinch. You can do a whole hand clench. You can do a double clench. Like the accessibility has like five different things you can do. I do think if you want to give Apple some some credit here, they probably the the machine learning model they're probably using to productize this as double tap is probably better than whatever they were doing before. And the thing they did before wasn't on by default, right? You have to go and actively enable it, and it wouldn't just like press buttons it would like bring up a ui and right and you and you'd have to like confirm the action so they're probably more confident in it they've refined the you know detection maybe using the neural engine or maybe not um but yeah the the raw essence of the gesture has existed before uh but if you can forget about that it's a cool feature i think and i would definitely use it for answering phone calls stopping timers playing or pausing music Mm -hmm. assuming it works reliably enough that you can depend on it right like um, yeah, I wonder about accidental like inputs and yeah. Well, what is interesting is that they, they, they definitely like make sure you know that it's happened because you know you double tap and it's not just like the music pauses. Like this big icon appears at the top of the screen that shows your fingers coming together 
just to like reinforce the idea that we've detected a double tap which it guesses their defense against an accidental input so at least you know that something's happened right if you're looking at the screen um, and apparently the press have said that in their like briefings or whatever they you know their chat or whatever that if you don't have an index finger you know like you've had an accident or something it also works with the middle finger so you can do middle finger and oh thumb. okay yeah uh, it reminded me of the vision pro like control system you mm. know since tapping is such a big part of that I was thinking, what happens if you're wearing an Apple Watch while wearing a Vision Pro? There's going to have to be some communication there. Yeah, that's funny, actually. Yeah, because the the Vision Pro is like a single tap, right? You don't have to do it twice. Yeah. Um, I think there are controls for double tap, maybe, that do different things. But yeah, single tap is the primary input method. Yeah, and at least on the watch, it only works when the screen's on. So like, if your hand's by your side, like so, not when the screen's on, but you know what I mean, like woken up, like in, not in yeah. the always on mm-hmm. mode. Um, so if, you're, if your hand is by the side and you're using the Vision Pro and the, the screen doesn't light up, then there's no way for it to clash. But um, I think it's a nice improvement. Like, it's not really a... You know, it's a pretty small year for the watch and this is their debut feature and it kind of already existed. So, like, you know, take those take those, <laughs> take those, those qualifications yeah. as it is. But it's it's pretty cool and I think it will actually sell watches. Like, it's a, it's a thing mm-hmm. they can demo, yeah. right? You walk into an Apple store and you see somebody doing like this it's like wow it's reading my mind you know kind of kind of situation so it's definitely demoable and i do think it's not just a straight gimmick like there is some utility to it you said it's the the debut feature of the series 9 but not exactly because apple says be available sometime next month with a software update yeah so you unbox your new series 9 next friday and you won't have double tap but you'll have all of the other great features so Apart from, so. I don't have the iPhone 15, so I won't be able to use the phone yeah. thing. Uh, and it's the winter, so I doubt it's very sunny in Britain. So uh, I guess I'll just have a Series 9. <laughs> you will coming, you're coming from a Series 4, though, so you'll have... That's like five years. That's yeah. pretty... When you look at it over that five-year period, there's been some big changes. Yeah, I mean, and this isn't... Like, I wouldn't recommend people upgrade this year. If you, yeah, it's a pretty terrible year yeah, like, <laughs> to upgrade. I mean, I hold out my stuff quite a lot, and generally the gamble pays off, and I get a pretty good year when I upgrade, right? Like going from the 2016 MacBook Pro to the 2021, for instance, um, or I went from like 11 Pro to 14 Pro on the iPhone, and a pretty good, pretty good cycle. This Apple Watch one, probably uh, not the greatest because I could have upgraded last year and basically been fine. Uh, but look, sometimes you gamble and it doesn't pay off, but generally it does. But hey, um, I've got it. Are you just getting what midnight yeah. aluminum? Midnight aluminum, forty-one millimeter. Forty-one. I would get the bigger size if it fit my wrist, but it doesn't. Uh, and I'm getting the sport band, so I'm not helping the environment, which I guess we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> next. Yeah. Uh, the colors are slightly different this year because they have a pink aluminium, which looks kind of cool, mm-hmm. uh, and starlight cool. silver, midnight product red, and then stainless steel. They've got gold, silver, and graphite. Still no titanium or other kind of edition model, and you can already order them, and they ship on. September 22nd. One other small thing here is Apple Watch Series 9 has 64 gigabytes yes. of storage now. So double from 32. Do you know how much the Series 4 has? Eight. Eight, gigs? baby. Yeah. I think if you had the cellular eight. models, you got 16. But uh, That's right, yeah. I've, I've got eight, so. Have you run into any problems? I with have, eight? actually. So, Oh, really? This only, only recently, only with the WatchOS 10 beta season. So apart from all the other performance issues I spoke about on the show before with the Apple Watch Series 4, uh, I also hit, I think, beta 3 or 4. It wouldn't update because it didn't have enough storage to do it. Oh, yeah. And so to fix that, I had to delete all the music that was downloaded on it, and then it updated. Uh, so yeah, having a bit more storage would actually be quite nice. 
I have the first generation Ultra, so I have 32 gigabytes, and I have 16 gigabytes available. So 64 gigabytes is not a reason for me to upgrade. So after the Series 9, we jump to this like little short movie type thing with Octavia Spencer and Tim Cook put on his acting shoes, and it was basically a way of Apple explaining all of the ways that it cares about the environment. What did you think of this video? Because I didn't think it was too bad, but it was definitely awkward, and it was probably a little bit too long. It's almost, what, six minutes? Yeah, this is the other device yeah. video that I It, too, earlier. was well-received in the theater. I think it was all right. I got the concept, right? Because so many companies are like, we're green, we're doing stuff, but then... Like a lot of people are like, well, you know, are you actually helping the environment or are you just saying it for like whatever? So Apple came out of the angle was like, we're going to have quote unquote Mother Nature hold you to account, right? And so Mother Nature is going to come into Apple as if you're any other company. And when you say that you're actually being, you know, green or whatever, uh, where and she's going to assume you're not. And then they're going to go, well, actually, we actually are doing this properly. So that's the pitch of the idea. Not a bad, not a bad premise, I don't think. You know, some people are not going to like anything comedic or whatever, but. It was all right, and I think the main issue was it was too long. I think it should have been a lot. A half, it was five mm-hmm. and a half minutes long. That's a long video. And it was immediately followed by Lisa Jackson basically explaining everything they just said in the comedic form in the five and a half minute video. In the yeah, normal, that was weird. In the normal presentation format. So, like, I feel like you should do, like, one or the other. Like, And, again, this kind of felt like a video they could have put on YouTube or, like, done an ad campaign for it in a month's time. But it didn't need to be, like, taking up five minutes of the presentation itself. I don't know. Obviously, Apple's overall goal is completely carbon neutral by 2030. And they're already carbon neutral for all of, like, their, like, retail stores and campuses. And they're working on the supply chain and production now. And that was the big focus of this. But, yeah, the it was it the mother nature video jumping straight then to lisa jacks lisa jackson was it made it hard to follow like it made it all muddled and you weren't really sure what was new what was being announced because in the video in very quick passing they said we're removing leather from all of our products (laughs) and obviously that was rumored but they hadn't addressed it yet and it's like well now we know that then we jump to lisa jackson standing in the middle of a solar field what the big apple watch thing was that all is it all Apple Watches are carbon neutral now? Most Apple Watches. Some Most Apple, Watch. Apple Watches. It depends which band. It depends which. So none of the stainless steels are. So you have to get the aluminium with certain uh, bands. What's the default band now? Is it the Sport, Sport Band? Loop is what they try and push you to buy. Yeah. And that's 82% recycled yarn. So. Yeah. But on, on the. on Because I've checked out, obviously. I checked out Series 9. Uh, yeah. You can pick the sport band like the original apple watch band right which is what i chose and that one isn't carbon neutral so that and that's the cheapest one that's the rubber one right yeah i think yeah. it's the same price as a sport loop but the sport loop's like fabric um whereas the that's right the sport yeah. band's like rubber or as apple would call it fluoroelastomer yeah i found all of this kind of confusing to follow because they also said they're they threw a lot of numbers ma- at your face let me put it that you're way. matching your Ever, like the expected electricity use of people charging their Apple Watch by investing enough to account for that charging in renewable energy products, that's, I mean, that's fine. That's cool. I always feel like it's a bit of a cop-out, though. It's like, well, we're investing in stuff that's making other carbon, or making other, you know, carbon-neutral energy. Yeah. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's good, but it's better than not doing it, I guess. But it's not like, 
it just feels like a thing where if you've got enough money you can do it it's like it's not you know the more impressive yeah. stuff is when they've like got 100 percent recycled aluminum in the case or you know using it's manufactured using 100 percent clean electricity now so like the production is 100 percent um and like the packaging they made smaller and now it's made of fiber rather than paper or whatever blah, blah, blah. it's like that's the more impressive stuff when they say well now we'll just of your 400 pound purchase one pound of it now is going towards green energy projects like well done apple you could have done that anyway but you know you know what i mean and in total the the device is called carbon neutral and so it has that carbon neutral logo on the box which i don't know like if i've bought the series 9 midnight with the midnight sport band which isn't carbon neutral together does the box for the apple watch itself still have the carbon neutral logo on it i don't know um probably because they're packaged they're separately. Packaged separately right so i guess yeah. if you get the sport loop option then the sport loop box will have the logo on it as well whereas i'll just get it on the watch box itself but when you check out it doesn't show you the carbon neutral logo on that option so that's an interesting distinction but in total after all these you know 100% recycled aluminum 100% recycled cobalt in the battery blah 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 blah, blah they've re- they've reduced the carbon footprint of the apple watch purchase by 78 percent and then the remaining 20 percent is offset in green energy projects so it's carbon neutral but only because they've subtracted 22 percent offset so if you want to be critical again there the, the remaining 23 percent is from offsetting into green energy projects that lisa jackson will tell you are good energy projects not just bad ones because there are easy ways to like buy energy credit you know uh, but if you want the, the 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 definite positive here is that the Apple Watch Series Nine is seventy eight percent better in carbon footprint than the Series Eight, which is nice. Yeah, I think the biggest benefit of this probably is it's going to hopefully put other put pressure on other companies to start making similar promises and focusing on this in their own production. I don't know enough about like the whole world of green energy to know how much of this is like legitimate or how much of it is quote-unquote greenwashing yeah i mean i don't know the details right of that either stuff either but i think apple was trying to convey that they're doing this properly that's the whole point of the mother nature video right is like yeah the idea is mother nature could turn up a different company and then would say you're doing everything wrong right whereas apple they had answers to all of the questions is that is the kind of gist of the situation and slack our publisher seth weintraub who's big on electric and green energy he said it was all greenwashing. I don't know. I mean, the 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 problem with this is it's like, you know, what would be most carbon neutral is not releasing an Apple Watch Series Nine. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like just don't just don't make one, and then just make people buy Series Eights for a bit longer. You know, like because all the people that are going to replace their old Apple Watch that was in perfectly good condition, that's making more waste than you know one being renewable. But look, they're a company, and they have to sell products. So as long I I I just take this as like. It's better that it's seventy eight percent better than it was before, you know. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good job, okay. But again, I'm not going to buy the product or not based on whether it's carbon neutral or not. It's just unrealistic. Uh, it's like because like the iPhone 15 is not, but that doesn't make that's not going to stop me buying it or not. Yeah. Like, that's not the reason. It's just like a nice little bonus, I guess. The other side effect or benefit of the environmental focus is leather, as they hinted at, is gone for Apple Watch bands mostly. So there's a new fine woven magnetic link and modern buckle i thought the fine woven naming was surprising because it was what was rumored but i think we all kind of wrote it off at the time particularly because it's fine woven with no space in between which looks funny it does still look funny <laughs> oh yeah it does good old apple names. they what they describe it as kind of like a suede feeling 
It's nice. I got to play with the Fine Woven in the new Apple Watch bands and in the new iPhone cases. It. I wonder about the durability of it, especially the edges where there's like a weird transition from the suede fabric material on the phone cases anyway to to like a fake leather, like almost plastic feeling. It's like but the on the Apple Watch, but... something completely different to the back. Yeah, yeah. I, that feels like it feels like it'll snap in half or like separate at that seam. But the Apple Watch bands are nice, especially the magnetic link. I have this band in the leather. I don't really wear it very often just because it feels too fancy. But the fine woven version feels nice. And they are carrying on their partnership with Hermes. Uh, So now they've got some, instead of leather, they've got some woven, knitted, and folded rubber options. Although on the Hermes website, they still do sell leather watch bands. If you so desire they apple just doesn't sell them anymore or like doesn't promote them anymore and they've got a new hermes radio watch face looked all right and then for nike uh they focused on bands that are repurposing excess material so they got a new sport band a nike sport loop um with repurposed yarn the sport band has flecks of previous sport bands just like (laughs) thrown into it and mixed around which did make me chuckle because <laughs> when they introduced it, they were like, it, and we've got yeah. this brand new sport band that reuses existing materials. I was like, wow, this must be really clever. But then it's literally just like, here's most of a band, and then they've like put some little flicks of uh, excess band waste in the middle of it. It looks like you were wearing a sport band, then you were like painting your house or something, yeah. and had specks of paint just flying everywhere. Like, that's cool as like a one line. It of, looks nice. Yeah, it's like cool as like one line of sport bands, but it's not really a solution to like long term carbon neutrality right because like you can't have every sport band looking like that because most people won't want that but it was cool as like a, a line um and they have a new nike watch face that like shows seconds as lines of a globe of like an outline globe background that look kind of cool so yeah that was series nine apple watch ultra 2 so not apple watch ultra series 2 not apple watch ultra second generation just apple watch ultra 2 which i'm happy with that naming I was surprised. I was kind of expecting them to just call it like Apple Watch Ultra Second Generation, like not give yeah. it a number. Um, but they like did the new Ultra Wideband Second Generation. Yeah. <laughs> they give it a number, but the back of the watch does not have the number on it. Oh, nice. <laughs> so like, see, but like Series Nine does, right? Like on the back of all yeah. the Apple Watch is Apple Watch Series Nine, uh, but on the back of Apple Watch Ultra, it just says Apple Watch Ultra. Uh, it doesn't say Apple Watch Ultra Two. Story here is about the same new S9 chip inside. So you get the precision finding, double tap, on-device Siri, all of that good stuff. The display brightness goes up to 3,000 nits. Because like I said, the Series 9 goes to 2,000, which was the same as the first Ultra. So this creates that differentiation there. But again, like you said, probably only for like the flashlight and in peak outdoor brightness. Because 3,000 nits will murder your battery life pretty quickly. Other than that, new modular Ultra watch face, which is not exclusive to the Ultra 2. It's also coming to the first generation Ultra. I know people like um, use that as a... Well, this makes the Ultra 2 even worse because it's not even an exclusive face. But I think that's like no. a positive, right? It's like... Oh, it is, You just yeah. bought the previous Ultra. There's no reason why this one can't be on it as well. So, like, I can... I, I applaud them for doing that kind of stuff. Because sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they, they keep watching faces just for the new ones just to be mean. But this one is on both. And it's a pretty clever... It's a pretty cool face. Like, it's definitely in the Ultra category of, like, we're going to shove as much information on the screen as we can as possible. The only thing that's like, yes, it's good it's coming to the first generation Ultra, but you wouldn't know that reading Apple's press release. 
they want you to think it's exclusive to the Ultra 2, but it's not. Then battery life here is the same at 36 hours for like typical use, but then extended slash like low power battery life is up from 60 hours to 72 hours. I kind of expected a little bit more here with the S9 chip in that like typical standard battery life number, but 36 hours is still pretty good. Yeah, I was surprised that the base Apple Watch didn't have like a bigger like battery change or something because when they when they announced the cpu and gpu was like minor i was like oh they're probably giving you an extra couple of hours on battery but then they they don't change the battery quotes for those either so that was a bit bit annoying series 4 series 5 series 6 series 7 series 8 were up to 18 hours series 9 up to 18 hours so yeah not much there yeah which is fine for like when you're charging at nightly but at some point it would be nice to only charge every other day for instance you know um, yeah <laughs> which they've obviously achieved with the ultra and the ultra can go like five days if you if you you know baby it a little bit but the base model watch is uh still one day battery anything else here with the ultra 2 no black model oh that's right yeah, yeah. which that felt more like felt almost like the most sure thing ever but they they didn't do it no no black option this year still just the same natural gray Otherwise, this story is the bands, which again also work with the first generation Ultra. But there's a new trail loop or alpine loop in a few different colors. And when you buy the Ultra 2 with those, the Apple Watch Ultra 2 is carbon neutral. And you also have. But the ocean band couple... is not. So, yeah. The ocean band ruined the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how, how I'd say it. <laughs> The new colors here are nice, though. The I use the what is it? Yeah, the trail loop right now, and what the new colors? There's like an orange color that I really like that matches the action button. Otherwise, not a whole lot here. Kind of questioning why they even bothered, but there you go. The S9 chip was like the if the Series Nine had the S9 chip and the Ultra didn't. That feels like the opposite of what should be the case. So I understand why they just spec bumped it, slap, slapped the new chip inside and made some new bands. Like it makes sense, but I don't think it warranted a whole segment during an event necessarily. Yeah, I mean, they, they had to mention it, I guess. But like, there's definitely, this Apple Watch section, you know that report that Mark had a couple of weeks ago where he was saying that Apple executives had discussed moving the Apple Watch from a yearly cycle to like an 18-month cycle? This kind of shows why, <laughs> like you know, like yeah, it's been four years now of minor changes to the Apple Watch, I'd say, and then here's like the first CPU update in three years, and it's like not even good enough for them to give you a percentage on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. I mean, the Apple. I like the Apple Watch. I wear it every single day, uh, but doesn't feel like it's got much uh, inertia in terms of new stuff on it. But there you go. Oh, and the Apple Watch SE is now also carbon neutral with a sport loop. So, but completely unchanged otherwise. Same price, same specs. Prices are unchanged for everything. Series 9 is still the same at $399. Mm-hmm. Then Ultra 2 is still the same at $799. No return of like the Series 9 in ceramic or titanium, just aluminum and stainless steel. So if you want titanium, you got to get the Ultra 2. And if you want ceramic go to ebay and find a series five because <laughs> that's your only option yep 
because they did they did a dark colored titanium before they did the ultras right oh yeah they did but then the ultra came out and no no bueno Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Ladder. If you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. Dentists, opticians appointments, filing taxes, that kind of stuff. And you know it's usually fine, but you shouldn't mess around and wait when it comes to life insurance. Get term coverage life insurance through Ladder today. Go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour to see if you're instantly approved. I've started needing glasses recently and that was like a moment that hit me like... I'm getting older, and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant. Life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens. And Ladder is a 100% digital service when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors, no needles, and no paperwork required. It's all done online. You just need a phone or laptop to apply. You fill out Ladder's application form, and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you're approved. Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel any time. Get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. And Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure, but you just want more, some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring the show. All right, iPhone 15, iPhone 15 plus. Yeah, bit more meat on the bone on this section. A little bit, yeah. Dynamic Island, as all the rumors said. The design is, I think, more changed than I expected. So the edges are kind of contoured towards the back, which in my time, hands-on with the iPhone 15, that feels really nice. The back of the iPhone 15 now has that textured matte finish, so the same as the Pro models. Which was rumored, remember? We actually... Yeah, you brought it up last week and I told you you were wrong. Yeah, so yeah that's I why apologize. I just brought it up now, just to remind yeah. people of that. And what's this they're doing with like the color infuse, color infusion? So it like blends up to the camera bump a little bit more? Supposedly like the color of the material is like they change like the molecules or whatever they're doing to like make the color bleed all the way through, not just on the surface. And so if you stare particularly in the camera bump area, it doesn't just look like a bit of glass is sitting on top of the coloured back, like the whole bit is coloured. Um, at least on the photos on the website, you, it does look pretty impressive. Um, but I don't know if you like, I don't know if you notice in person if someone didn't point out to you. You know, yeah, I wouldn't have noticed in the hands-on area if they hadn't specifically pointed it out. But yeah, it's all a single piece of quote colour infused glass. But yeah, it looks, it looks cool when the the contoured edge. Um, on the enclosure mm-hmm. probably makes it slightly nicer to hold in the hand right not as sharp and it's a nice midway point between the rounded corners of you know iphone 10s that kind of series and then iphone 12 where they went hard edges mm-hmm. um, so i think they found a pretty good balance obviously the phones look mostly the same um but you know those details do matter and they always refine them so it's nice uh the dynamic island is now here on every iphone which probably means next year the Pro iPhones will have a different cut-out design because they want to distinguish them again. And sure enough, we have rumors that like you know they're going to put 
at least some components behind the display for real this time uh, we'll see whether that stays through till next fall um but yeah like putting the dynamic island on every device is nice it hopefully gives developers a bit more motivation to include live activity features that can go up there because i do think the dynamic island is pretty useful like you know it's not a game changer but it's quite handy the music goes up there you can access it quite quickly from wherever you are you know when phone calls come in it like emerges from the island you can accept and see the you know how long you've been on the phone just looking up on the thing you have live activity sports scores and like flight status like apple loves flighty these days they put them in like every ad because they like did a really nice live activity yeah. implementation mm-hmm. um to be honest i kind of think like flight traveling should be something the system does like i don't really see why you need a third party app like it should be able, like at least do basic flight tracking built in um because you can like do like quick look up and it'll like show you the flight data but you can't like keep that going for like your duration it seems like something they could build into like maps eventually right like flight you know navigation by by air or something um but yeah like the island's cool and people like it and it's nice that the phone that the cheaper phones look like the bigger the the pro phones do because you know for the longest time you'd have like the cheap phones had massive bezels and the pro phone had the nice bezels and then you know last year the the pro phones had the the island and the cheap phones had the notch and this year they actually from the front basically look the same i mean they're, they're the and same screen size the right 6.1 6.7 um the pro i guess has those slightly thinner bezels that we'll talk about later but in general i think it's good that the cheaper phones have basically the same screens i mean they're all OLED, obviously and they have been since the iphone 12 so what do you think complain. about promotion promotion still being a pro exclusive feature yeah that's... promotion like i care about promotion just the yeah just the average person and and by the way i 100 percent know that like every mid-range android phone these days has 120 hertz screens so like apple is behind there but Apple doesn't care. <laughs> they, you know, <laughs> well, some of the Android phones have like a middle ground. They're like ninety they're hertz, like 90, I think. Yeah, yeah. But like the iPhone isn't like always locked at one twenty either. It you know ramps up right, and down yeah. and stuff. So it's a bit of a wash. Um, but the the regular person on the street, I don't think one hundred twenty hertz refresh rate um, is something they really really care about. Uh, so Apple doesn't bother with it, and eventually they'll get around to it, but not this year. I think something like the iPad Air is a product which more is deserving of promotion at this point than like the base phones are. But that's a different conversation. iPad Mini. What do you mean? What do you think about the colors? The pink is very nice. I think that's. I think that's going to be pretty popular. I know that's the one of my sisters is planning to get the iPhone 15 in pink, just because the 15 Pro is not available in pink. So. That's at least one sale for Apple. The other colors are... They look like they've been left out in the sun mm. too long. Like they're washed out. You have, what, yellow, green, a very, very light blue that looks silvery style, whitish in person. And then you just have black. The pink is good. The black is fine. Those, the yellow, green, and blue are... They're okay. They're pastel, and I think that's kind of what's popular right now in the fashion world, as I know you're very familiar with. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely up on it. I wondered whether the color infusion process is just like it produces colors that look like this. You know, like you can't do a super, super dark color, maybe, if it's just like blended with the glass. I don't know, but um, I think they look all right. Like they've they've done full saturation colors before. They've done more pastel faded colors before 
This is a more faded year. The lineup looks pretty good. I prefer these colors to the pro colors. Let me put it that way. But the um, yeah, like the the pink, I think will be pretty popular. The black, I always like the black. The black looks nice. So yeah, I think the colors are all right. Um, and it's different enough from last year that they like stand out. You know, the reason I think probably in the past that some of the non-pro colors were a bit just darker and more vibrant was they had the glass like glossy finish on the back and now that they're matte just like the pro that's probably i'm sure like you said it's something to do with that color infusion or the matte finish sure yeah i mean if you look at the pro phones they've always been matte right so i think apple likes like if it's matte it's more pastel-y paler but i think the lineup's pretty nice just based on again just based on the web photos what else do we have here we have oh the 48 megapixel main camera so that it's the same sensor that was on the 14 Pro that they've now brought down to the 15 and 15 Plus, which I was surprised by this. This is a big camera update that I don't think we were expecting, and I don't think it's typical for Apple to bring something from the Pro to the non-Pro in the camera department so soon. Yeah, it's certainly not the norm, right? Like It wasn't an expectation that the big camera update from last year would immediately come down the line um but it's nice they've done it and yeah it's the same it's the as far as we can tell it's the exact same sensor as the 14 pro has the 15 pro gets an upgraded sensor but the 15 gets the one from last year um which i think the big thing here is that it enables that 2x zoom option in the camera app yeah, so yeah, because obviously the fifteen and he's got two lenses, hasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So it gives you at least some of the telephoto experience without that third lens. Yeah, and the big thing here is like the software stack behind it, right? Because yeah. although they've brought the same sensor from last year, they've got a different way of processing the image, or at least several different options. And the new default is a twenty-four megapixel photo that balances frames that balances frames that are twelve megapixel, which are designed to get uh, as much light as possible into the image by doing pixel binning on that 48 megapixel sensor so that produces like a 12 megapixel template and then they also take a 48 megapixel shot at the same time which gives all the fine details and then they use you know machine learning algorithm to combine them together to produce a 24 megapixel output so now by default photos you take with the iphone 15 uh, are 24 megapixel not 12 and hopefully that will mean that some of the detail that you get if you shoot like 40 megapixel raw on the 14 pro you know, trickles down into those shots that you take on a daily basis on the iPhone 15. And if you um, want to now, you can also shoot 48 megapixel Heath files. So you don't have to go to RAW to shoot 48 megapixel sizes. You can have a bit more of a middle ground where it's still a compressed file format, but you're getting full resolution off the sensor. Um, but the big the big news is always the default, right? And they're making the default this 24 megapixel which we'll find out when the reviews come out whether it does make a big difference or not. But it's at least um, kind of more like what I was expecting them to do last year <laughs> with the 14 Pro. Yeah. Uh, but here it is now for the 15 series. Does the standard 15 and 15 Plus, do they get the new Heath file feature? Yeah, I think so. Do they? Yeah, okay. I, I, so does the 14. Oh, not the, the 14 Pro. Yeah, does, sorry, the 14, the 14 Pro does, yeah. 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 Because it's not mentioned in Apple's press release anywhere, but and and in the camera app now on iOS 17 release Canada, um, you know, like on the video mode, it puts like 4K 30 or whatever in that top like status area, and you can like tap on it to mm-hmm. change the format. 
you can do that now for the camera as well. So you can change from 4K Heath, uh, um, sorry, from 48 megapixel Heath, 48 megapixel uh, RAW, like all those options you can like tab between them. And I can do that on my 14 Pro. So it's not, it's not like just on the iPhone 15. The portrait mode updates here are pretty cool. So you can now take portrait mode pictures without switching to the portrait mode mode in the camera app. Like it intelligently switches to that bokeh depth interface. I don't think it actually intelligently switches. I think it just takes the data in case you want to do the portrait mode after the fact. Oh, okay. So like you'd so like if you take the photo in the in the viewfinder, it won't have the blur on it if you're in the main mode, right? It just collects the information and then afterwards it will like suggest to you do you want to turn on portrait mode when you look at the picture and then it will do the blur. If you go to the portrait lens in the actual camera, then it will show you the blur in the viewfinder. So they're trying to be unobtrusive, right? They're like, we, well, now yeah, we're, right. we're you know, we've got enough performance now on the chip so we can just capture the information when you take the photo, which gives you the option to turn it on or off later on. And then you can also switch the foc- focus of like the subject of a portrait mode image after the fact too. So if there's like a person in the foreground and a person in the background, you can change it so the focus of the picture would be on whichever person and then it applies that depth to the rest of the picture yeah so this was a case where i was like that sounds really impressive like they must be capturing loads more information to make that work (laughs) but it turns out you can do that on the 14 pro now as well yep and the iphone 13 can even do that oh really yep the 13 14 and 15 can all do this feature they the 13 and 14 can't do the automatic portrait mode on the main camera but if you have Mm -hmm. if you take portrait photos you can do the depth control, focus control, and change which parts in focus. I do think this is probably a bigger change than some of the other things, just because portrait mode is really popular. Yeah, they also said, by the way, that on the 15, the photonic engine stack is upgraded, so portrait mode photos have richer colors and improved low-light performance. Mm -hmm. So they are just supposedly better as well in quality. They say new smart HDR stack Mm -hmm. algorithm. It's, I mean, those things, like, you know, I'm sure there are obviously differences, but you can never really evaluate them based on Apple's photos. Yeah. You have to wait for reviews to know if, like, they're meaningful or not. Um, but hopefully they are, because then, then the phones take better pictures. I say some of those smart HDR and improvements also come to the ultra-wide camera and the true-depth front camera. Otherwise, on camera, I don't... I think we hit it all. Anything else? Yeah, they didn't really have any... I thought it was quite interesting they didn't have any, like, announcements of video this year like yeah that's true the video camera is the same or like all their all their stats are the same uh, at least on the 15 um so yeah they're like like last year they had like action mode or whatever you know like or like cinematic mode changes this year nothing it's just photos only inside we have the a16 bionic chip so that's the same that was in the 14 pro last year Nothing really important here, I don't think. Yeah, no, no. I guess the only important point to note is it's an identical chip. There's not like, you know, it's not like reduced core count or anything. It's literally just... Yeah, because last year it was the GPU. There was one fewer GPU cores, I think. Or was that the year before? One of the... In the recent years, one of the years before, it was one fewer GPU cores, yeah. Yeah. But this is... And this is the same exact exact chip. And it also gets the not U2, U2 chip. Um, Yeah. Um, which obviously works with the features in the Apple Watch uh, Series 9 and Ultra. And they have this new feature now that um, you can find your friends in the Find My app with precision yeah, that's finding. Cool. So if you're in the same kind of area, 
you can hunt them down <laughs> like, <laughs> like as if they were an air tag, which is a nice change. And I've complained about before that with the air tag experience, the distance at which that precision finding becomes available is quite short, which kind of makes the feature redundant because mm-hmm. in the, like most of the time when you're close enough that just making it make a sound, you can just immediately turn your head and see where the air tag is, right? Um, you know, occasionally precision finding comes into handy, like if you're in a messy room or something. But in general, it's like, I feel like it'd be better if you could do it from further away. And supposedly, Apple says that now you can connect up to three times further away with the ultra-wideband chip. I don't know if that works with the air tags, like, or if it only applies to if you're communicating with another U2 chip. Uh, but at some point, they'll probably do a air tag generation with the U2 inside it as well. I think Quo has said that that's like early next year, maybe, but that, it's definitely cool. coming. One of the weird parts of the demo video, I thought, was these new this new feature for audio quality on phone calls. It's kind of like voice isolation, but improved. So if you're the example they showed during the video was if you're at like a farmer's market and you take a call and you're the person on the other end for your audio hears like a bunch of background noise, other people talking, you can enable this voice isolation feature to basically cut out that background noise. And that's, the weird that's, part that's about, available on current phones too, right? Right. The change was just that it's an upgraded machine learning algorithms to make it better the way they kind of and again this is where they've been a bit fast and loose with what's new and what's just the same thing Mm -hmm. is that they seem to suggest that even before you enable the voice isolation mode the sound is improved oh really okay that's how it was kind of phrased when i watched the keynote again yeah it was like you know the guy was talking and he hadn't turned the voice isolation mode on yet and he was like this sounds better than ever thanks to a more advanced model blah 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 blah. but if you really want to focus on your voice you can turn on voice isolation so maybe it's slightly better there because there was actually a regression a couple of years ago where Apple took out the third noise cancellation, noise cancelling microphone and some people complained that audio quality on phone calls actually got worse as a result of that. And so there's some like weird story behind this where like there's a big patent lawsuit going on so like Apple just removed the noise cancelling oh, microphone yeah. to like stop to like circumvent it but then that actually punished people that use their iPhone for phone calls. And so I felt like this segment was like a kind of Hint, hint, nudge, nudge to that. Like, yeah, we know, and now here's a way to make it better. The voice isolation, the thing, my complaint with the software on the voice isolation mode is like, it's annoying to turn it on every time. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It should be on by default. I, like, yeah, like, why not have it on? <laughs> it's, people don't, people don't, very rarely do people want to hear your background noise when you're on a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the video, the woman was on the phone, and then it's like, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> Takes the phone down from her ear. It's the button, then goes back to your, is that better? It's like, just turn, like, sh- there's a lot of stuff going on inside these phones. Just should be smart enough to turn it on automatically. Yeah, like maybe have it on automatically. You can turn it off if, it, if you're yeah. actually in the occasional case where you don't want it. Emergency SOS via satellite is still there, coming to Spain and Switzerland this month. One of the surprise announcements, I guess, is emergency SOS assistance for roadside incidents so if your car breaks down you have a flat tire and you're in an area without traditional phone coverage there's a new version of emergency sos via satellite that basically like those pre-canned responses that right now are focused on emergencies that require like first responders like 911 there's a new set of those responses focused on car troubles 
So you answer those questions and it's relayed to, in the United States, AAA and maybe other companies sometime in the future. But yeah, AAA in the U.S. and I think it's only available in the U.S. That's what they announced so far, yeah. But this was cool. I mean, emergency SOS via satellite in general is a cool feature and this makes it... So if you... Do you have to pay for roadside assistance on, like, a plan to, like, be able to do this? Or can you, like, ad hoc, if you have a problem, do roadside assistance? Do you know what I mean? What what most people... So, AAA, you can be a member and you pay monthly or yearly. But what I've done and what I know other people do, but I guess this wouldn't work in this situation. I'm not sure. But you have an incident, then you just immediately become an, a AAA member and request roadside assistance. So maybe that works on this too. Like you just start by emergency SOS, but then you get billed for it or something. Yeah. Because they say it's included in a AAA membership or available through AAA separately. So I think that means you can sign up for like a cheaper plan that doesn't give you the other AAA membership benefits, but it does give you the satellite SOS roadside thing. It's definitely weird, the AAA partnership, but... Well, and it's still orthogonal to the emergency sos service that like the emergency SOS via satellite service is what apple will eventually charge you for right like and then you have to pay more then you have to pay more because right now emergency SOS via satellite is covered by their free for two years thing which they also renewed for the iphone 15 so you buy a new iphone 15 you get free for two years but the 14 series is going to expire right like so in a year's time the free two-year period for the iPhone 14 line is going to run out and they're going to have to come up with a solution for you. Like, And clearly, like before before this event, it was a bit more unclear to me, like, what were they planning on doing? Like, are they going to, you know, keep it free or, you know, add some extra features or, like, you know, change it up a bit? Like, But on this event, because they had a dedicated section where they were like, and now we're going to talk about our satellite services and we have you know, find my, while you're on satellite, emergency yes, while you're on satellite, and now we have road sizes via satellite, all part of our satellite services package. And I'm like, well, here we go. They're 100% going to charge for satellite services as a package, eventually. But again, they've punted the announcement of pricing at least one more year, because uh, it's still, quote, free for two years. I didn't realize this, but it makes sense that roadside assistance via satellite is also available for 14 the iPhone 14 series. Mm. So you don't need to upgrade to the iPhone 15 to get that. All right. Well, go have an accident report back if you need a AAA uh, coverage ahead of time. <laughs> I'll, I'll get right on yeah. that. The questions that the app asks you, it's like, what do you need assistance with? And then you say, locked out, no fuel or charge. So the a little bit of focus on EVs there. Flat tire, vehicle does not start, vehicle stuck. Then you connect to the satellite just like you do normally, and it places relays your information to AAA. All right, I have. I don't found, know if it's going directly. Hmm. I have found pricing information. Well, at least pricing explanation. So on an Apple support page, they have a dedicated page for roadside assistance. It says, Ah, a AAA provides roadside assistance for four-wheeled motor-driven cars and trucks. So if you've got a tricycle, no, no help. Um, roadside service is covered according to AAA membership and is also available separately for non-members pricing information will be provided to you before help is dispatched so if you ad hoc 
request assistance, they will basically say, we'll come, but you've got to pay this much. Blackmail. <laughs> it's, it's just like the, I mean, it's the whole thing. If you don't, you're not going to celebrate your birthday next year unless you buy an Apple Watch. Yeah. That, I mean, you're going like, to be stranded. I understand. Um, like, I have no problem because obviously, you know, these companies provide a service, right? So like, yeah. If you need assistance, they're going to charge you for it. It's like no problem. And at least you don't have to pay a subscription on an ongoing basis just in case you have a problem. You can pay it one time off. The thing that I'm questioning is the Apple side of the equation, right? Where next year rolls around and you're going to have to pay on a monthly basis just to make sure you have a satellite connection in the chance that you have a problem. Right, yeah. That's where it gets more murky because, like, that's when it's like Apple's trying to make you pay just to make sure you don't die, which always is just a bad place to be. So if you have a AAA membership, you get it for free, or quote-unquote for free, but it's the ad hoc non-members who have to pay? Yes, but what I'm saying is that next year, even though you've got it free through AAA, you'll still have to pay because uh, emergency SOS yeah. is their overall feature via satellite will be charged. Yeah. Like, at the moment, yeah. there's, that's all hunky-dory because it's under the, it's covered under the two-year free period, but next year round, not only will you be paying at AAA, you'll also be paying Apple, presumably. One thing that someone put in our Slack this morning is the picture that Apple's using for the marketing for SOS for roadside. And it says, in an emergency, iPhone has your back. And it's this these two people who are like next to a beach and their car, the hood is open. And the car is a sob, which I don't know if this is like an inside joke because sobs break down all the time and are horribly unreliable. Oh, really? That's funny. But I <laughs> thought it was hilarious because my first car in high school was a sob and i guarantee you i have a picture of myself standing on the side of the road next to my sob with the hood up waiting on triple a to come pick me up because something broke that's hilarious I, just, I don't even think sob is still in business or i don't know but anyway what next was USB-C. it's the same USB-C port that we've come to know and love no improvement in transfer speeds so it's usb 2.0 Otherwise, the the way that they pitched this during the iPhone 15 and iPhone 15 Plus segment was basically just that you can now charge your Mac, iPhone, iPad, and AirPods Pro, which we'll talk about in a minute, with the USB-C cable, the same cable. Not much else. They kind of introduced it and moved on pretty quickly. You said in the theater people were loving it. Yeah, there were were two moments that got cheers during the the video watching. USB-C was one of them. Then, oddly enough, at the very end, they mentioned new iCloud Plus storage plans for 6 terabytes and 12 terabytes. And I guess it was some of the YouTubers who cheered at that. <laughs> but USB-C was the big moment. And, I mean, we knew it was happening. Yeah. There would have been boos if they hadn't announced it. It's like, uh, it's, it's here. I do think there's a funny dynamic here where, like, Apple didn't want to do it this year. They were forced into it by the European Union, right? But if USB-C wasn't a feature... The iPhone 15 lineup is like way less compelling because it's just like like he's given them another feature to put on the feature list, you know? And like you look at their homepage and like it's like literally top line was on the the event day when they had, you know, they have like the special section. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they changed the homepage Mm -hmm. on the event day. It was like a whole new camera system and USB-C. Like they like pushed it as like a top line feature. I was like... Yeah, but you didn't want to do this. Like, if you hadn't done this, the iPhone 15 would be even less interesting, you know? Like, it was kind of a weird situation, but I'm glad it's happened. It's like the EU's kind of forced them into doing a good thing, I think. And yes, 
people are going to be mad about it, right? I'm just next week there will be people upset. It's going to be headlines are plenty, but it's a good thing. It's the same cable for happily. The reaction hasn't been as negative as I was kind of thinking it uh, would be. It hasn't started yet. Wait till it hasn't started yet. Yeah, but it, I, like I don't think the reaction to Lightning on the phone was the same until people actually started buying them. Like that's when it. Yeah. That's, that's when it. That's when the screws turn. Is like when people bring home their phone and then they try and plug it into the same charger they've been using forever and they realize it doesn't work anymore because like most people on the earth don't know yet that's just the truth it's it's when it's when the phones start coming in droves there will be headlines i do think it will be better than the 30 pin to lightning because a when 30 pin to lightning happened, oh, yeah. nobody had lightning cables at all right because it was brand new this time around USB-C is a thing right people have hopefully have some usb chargers in the house already if you have android members in your family they probably charge by usb-c if you have a you know an apple laptop or whatever usb-c you and then if you don't you can buy readily usb-c cables on like amazon or whatever and they're pretty cheap the lightning transition was different in that at least at launch the only place you could buy lightning cables from was from apple and you have to pay their crazy margin on it um, and also the requirement of wires in general is way less than it was back then you know a decade ago because for instance even something like putting playing music on your car you know back then a lot of cars didn't even have bluetooth and now whatever a car has bluetooth. Yeah. so like there's a, there's a lot of mitigations um but that there's still going to be uh, they're 100 there's still be like newspaper headlines about it but hopefully quite not as not quite as bad as the uh the lightning run i just searched on twitter real quick and some of the ones are now people won't have to ask, do you have an iPhone charger anymore? We're all the same. <laughs> Apple finally joined the superior cable. Took them long enough. This person says, no, we get the poor people charger. <laughs> <laughs> That's a take. That's, That's so funny. <laughs> I did see one analyst being like, the iPhone lock-in is reduced now because the charging port is the same so people can switch to Android more easily. I don't know I if don't that know. was really the thing holding people back from switching around, but it is a fact. Um, during this segment of the presentation, uh, at the presenter um, said that now you can charge Mac, iPad, iPhone, and AirPods Pro with the same USB cable. Uh, that is true, but that requires you to buy the new AirPods Pro, which right. Apple is not selling the case separately for. This is messy. Yeah, and AirPods Pro second generation with MagSafe charging case USB-C is the official product title that you need to buy crazy mouthful because it actually has different features as well as well as changing the port <laughs> this airpods pro model has some minor changes although arguably enough changes they probably could have called it third generation <laughs> like i don't know why they still yeah. called second generation um i have a theory about why they don't try they don't sell the case separately though because these are different buds they have different model numbers you can't just take an old airpods case and put new airpods in it they don't work right they say like incompatible things even if they fit they don't like it and so this new case only works with the new model number buds and so they can't just sell that case for the people that have second gen airpods pro it wouldn't work and so i think they could have either come up with another case option for people with second generation lightning or what they've chosen to do is not bother (laughs) and say stuff well i don't know why they do this to themselves I mean, I guess most people probably wouldn't have bought a separate case just to have USB-C. But now people are going to have to keep carrying around a lightning cable for AirPods Pro if they already bought them. Yeah. Assuming they don't just charge wirelessly. 
Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's kind of silly. And why they didn't call these AirPods Pro third generation is even crazier. Because they they have dust resistance rating now, so you get IP54 dust resistance. They have lossless audio um, when connected to Apple Vision Pro. So I don't, how are they doing that? I don't. Supposedly some special integration with the H2 chip. Yeah. Not that the AirPods Pro 2 non-MagSafe version don't have the H2 chip. Well, clearly this is an upgraded version of the H2 chip. Only enabled by the USB-C port on the case. (laughs) I don't know know why. I reckon, and this is a complete speculation, I reckon they wanted AirPods Pro 2nd generation to do this too. And they realized late in the game that they made a a mistake and they couldn't do it. So now they've basically introduced like AirPods Pro 2nd generation 2.1 that actually does what they thought it was going to do before. Um, Because we saw these model numbers referenced in an iOS beta like way back in April or May. And... We assumed it was just a version with USB-C, but suppose we were naive about what Apple was up to. Yeah, so if you want the best Apple Vision Pro experience uh, for audio, you have to buy brand new AirPods Pro as well, which will give you 48K lossless with a massive quote-unquote reduction in audio latency. Because you have to remember the Vision Pro, if you're on like a, if you're in an environment with other people, people will be able to hear what you're listening to because there's like sound leakage, right? right? Um, and... These, I mean, you've tried them. You can tell me if it's true, but seems like wearing actual AirPods Pro would still give you better sound than just using the speaker pods, whatever they're called. Yeah, on the Vision Pro themselves. Speaking of headphones, USB-C version of wired earpods. (laughs) That's cool that they stick around. I mean, especially for no, they don't have USB-C cheap AirPods ready. What do you mean? Like, they don't have USB-C, like, AirPods third generation. Oh, yeah. Just AirPods Pro 2.1 and AirPods. They can upgrade the AirPods, but they can't upgrade normal AirPods. Like, I mean, really, the AirPods with USB-C are kind of overdue, because the iPad has had USB-C since, what, like, 2018? Mm-hmm. And the cheap iPad has USB-C now? Especially for, like, kids who use an iPad that happens to have USB-C, but you don't trust kids with AirPods. Then it's, any uh, other... Like, come do- on, Apple. You can... Like, okay, they are, they they solved the AirPods Pro situation. Admittedly, not in the best way, but there's, like... At least you can buy AirPods Pro now with USB-C. They've done the wired ones, but they haven't done USB-C normal AirPods. They've already done two cases for that thing. Yeah. They did a wireless charging case, and then they did a MagSafe wireless charging case. They couldn't do a. They couldn't just swap the lightning port out for USB C and have it ready for Christmas. Like that feels like a real stupid mistake. Just seems insane that they couldn't. They couldn't get that ready. Uh, the AirPods Max are a bit more complicated, right? Because on those, the lightning port is on the actual headphones themselves. You can't just get the case changed. So right. for those, it's like okay, we'll have to wait for AirPods Max second generation, which are sorely needed because they're dated in, in very many other ways too. But at least with that one, I understand why the lightning has to stay around there. But they couldn't do a USB-C case for normal AirPods. That's kind of stupid. There's also a USB-C to lightning adapter. I think the focus here is on CarPlay or I guess even non-CarPlay cars that have a built-in like hardwired lightning cable, which I don't... I, I, think I didn't really know that was... A, <laughs> yeah. 
I did not know that that was a thing, but they've made an entire an entire dongle for it. It'll cost you twenty nine dollars. Yeah, or maybe you could enough, use you it can for find like some random speaker docks and stuff that have lightning yeah. inputs on them. So my hotel in Cupertino still had an iHome dock with a thirty pin connector. Oh wow! So I I posted about it on Twitter, and a few people responded with like Alibaba listings for thirty pin to USB C dongles. <laughs> So there's <laughs> there's something for everybody. Uh, I guess if you keep an old um, set of like iPods around, and you want to connect to like modern accessories, you kind of need a thirty pin dongle. Yeah, but that's the only dongle we've got this year is USB C to Lightning. Nothing else. I can't really think of anything. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else people would need. No, so that's fair. That's fair. You just you just if you just want the Vision Pro. Then uh, you have to buy two hundred fifty dollar headphones. So that's almost like a dongle for you. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And as we'll get to in the next segment, you might have to buy a new phone as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but don't worry, you haven't got to buy a dongle. Starting at thirty five hundred. They warned you. They, they did. said starting they did. at. <laughs> they did. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available so you can make a decision with confidence. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn is just so ubiquitous. My brother started his first job out of uni last year and I know that LinkedIn was one of the places that he went through. So go on LinkedIn Jobs at linkedin.com slash happy hour and you can create a free job post in just minutes. Making a post is really easy. You could just get started with the title, the job description, the place of work and the employment type. And you can also list the necessary skills that you're looking for. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal directly that you're hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. When you make the job post, you can add screening questions to filter and focus on the candidates with just the right skills and qualifications for what you're looking for. So you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And that's just some of the reasons why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. So find the right team member who can accelerate your business's growth. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show iPhone 15 Pro, blessed by our friend Greg Joswiak to introduce it. Right off the bat, the big thing here is titanium. Apple calls it grade 5 titanium with a brushed finish. They kept talking about a PVD coating, which I found interesting. Apparently this is like a durability thing. Yeah, the Apple Watches have PVD, right? Probably. Like the Space Black stainless steel Apple Watch had PVD coating on it. And the other big thing here is, of course, the weight difference. So the 15 Pro is 19 grams lighter than the 14 Pro. The and Pro Max is this, 19 grams lighter than the 14 Pro Max as well. Yeah. But it's, if you actually look at the numbers, it's way lighter than the 14 and the 13, but it's only a couple grams difference to the 12 series. So right, yeah, they've gone back in time a bit, but it's not like a, like if you're like and if you're upgrading from like an iPhone 12. 
they'll probably feel about the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So if, you, if you're upgrading year to year, they'll feel a lot lighter. But if you upgrade from like an 11 or a 12, uh, they, then they'll basically feel the same. So it's only in the last like 12, 13, 14 years that they got really, really heavy. Yeah. Another thing too is the overall footprint of the 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max is ever so slightly, what, slightly... narrower and slightly shorter i think and that's because they made the bezel smaller but instead of making the screen bigger they just reduced the size of the phone itself the bezels were one of the big things that were rumored and apple said that they're the smallest bezels of any iphone ever which is obvious but in my hands-on time with the 15 pro and pro max the difference in bezel sizes wasn't as wasn't as notable noticeable as I expected based on some of the rumors and the renders that we'd seen. But I guess at a certain point, they just get so small that any smaller changes short of going completely edge to edge are just less noticeable. They don't, they don't really mean as much in day to day. They def- like to my eye, they definitely look thinner, but like, yeah, it's not the, you know, it's not like a world-changing event. It's just, yeah, they're thinner, so good. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I'd prefer them to be like this than last. Like, I, if you have the the old phone and the new phone side by side, you better tell them, as long as the screens are on, you'll tell immediately which one's got thinner bezels. Yeah. Because it is big, like, it is significant. There was a, there was a bezel change. I think it was the iPhone 12. So the, the OLED screens on the iPhone 12 were about one millimeter thinner than the bezels on the previous generation. And that was very hard to tell, like imperceptible but this is like you can see it right like they are half as small but they're still visible obviously um but like i prefer them to be thinner than not thinner you know so like i'm happy they did it but it's not like wildly different but it is different they also get the same like contoured edges as the standard 15 and those are nice they feel nice with the titanium it makes it less rigid or less like just removing those sharp edges that the transition from the edges to the back is a big change. That was more noticeable than I expected. What do you think about the actual like brushed finish look of the titanium on the sides? I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. So the colors are blue titanium, black titanium, white titanium, and natural titanium. The colors are gray, 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 and blue gray. Yeah. Pretty much. They're a little bit better than I expected seeing them in person. But the context, I think, is the demo area at Steve Jobs Theater is, like, bright. It's so bright. So it's like an Apple store, but even brighter and even more, like, open. So I'm guessing the colors are going to be pretty boring in most people's dark and dingy houses. So we don't live in Steve Jobs Theater. The color, I think, in the that stood out most was the natural titanium because that's where the edges like the brushed finish really comes across the blue was nice but the blue was a fingerprint magnet you could see like the apple demo employees like frantically wiping the blue in particular (laughs) down after every person the verge got some good images of apparently one that had been neglected and not wiped down and it looks pretty bad it reminds me of like the Midnight MacBook Air, just in both in its color, but it's a little bit more blue, but also just in that any fingerprints or grease is. I, you're gonna notice. I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but 
okay. based purely on the website photos, I kind of feel like the shiny stainless steel side looks prettier. I could see that argument. I'm not saying this is I bad, think, right? And yeah, it's different, mm-hmm. and you know they changed it up. And but I, I think if you look on pure aesthetics alone, the perfect renders of like the stainless steel iPhone sides looks more flashy and cool than the titanium ones do but in practice you know the titanium the stainless steel gets fingerprinty and smudging it's not as perfect mirror finish as what the renders make it look like you know so like in like in perfect conditions stainless steel is like looks better to me but in practical day-to-day life it's probably a bit of like you know a wash like they're both about the same in different ways and the titanium makes it lighter which is a nice improvement I'm looking at the edges of my Space Black 14 Pro Max. A, they're covered in fingerprints, but also they have a bunch of little, like, tiny nicks just around the edges. And this phone's been in a case basically the entire past year. So I don't know where those nicks came from. But presumably the titanium won't get nicked up and dented up Maybe we don't know. That's the other thing. Yeah, we don't know. It's the first year of a brand new iPhone chassis, so... Anything could happen. I mean, I will say, <laughs> for all we know, there'll be an action button yeah, game that. where the button pings off. <laughs> I will say that titanium on my Ultra is flawless, and that thing's been through a lot more than the iPhone, so that's a, that bodes well. Is the is the Ultra brushed? I don't. I can't remember. I think so. It looks brushed. I don't know the exact. Like it's got like those like straight line. Yeah finish on it because that's what i was wondering about specifically with like nicks like maybe over time the iphone sides will like not be as perfectly brushed but if the apple watch ultra is then maybe anything else on the design um uh, the in uh, again this doesn't matter to me like as a buyer as a prospective buyer but i think it's an interesting fact that the inside of the phone is now the same as the iphone 14 from last year so oh yeah the 14 changed the way that they basically turned the phone from like in a repairability standpoint in the old generation phones or the 14 pro uh the back was like glued down and then you had the screen and so you could separate all of the back from the screen but then if you actually wanted to change something in the back you'd have to like dig it all out which was terrible Um, and so they changed to a design with the iphone 14 where there's like an aluminium frame in the middle and so the back glass and the Mm. front glass with the screen on can come apart separately either given the back in the middle so if you smash your back glass on the iphone 14 it's actually quite a cheap easy repair because they don't have to take the whole phone apart and replace the whole back of the phone they can just replace the the back glass piece that wasn't the case on the 14 pro series last year that still had the old the older design but on the 15 pro this year it now also has the aluminium frame design uh so Back glass, front glass repairs should be relatively inexpensive. And Apple said they're using this solid state diffusion process to like fuse the aluminium to the stainless steel to the to the titanium um, in some special way, which supposedly helps with thermal thermals and also with strength and rigidity. So they've taken basically what they did last year, the 14, and souped it up even more. Um, but for on a repairability standpoint, I think it's a nice note because if you do break your back glass, you only have mm-hmm. to pay you know $100 instead of $500 for a full back repair the action button it's called the action button it replaces the mute switch and it works but you have so you have to press and hold to confirm your intent before anything is triggered in the settings app you can control what exactly the action button is linked to by default it's linked to the silent switch so press and hold to switch between mute or unmute 
You can also assign it to a focus mode, the camera, the flashlight, voice memos, accessibility features like the magnification features, what they showed, shortcuts, then coming later, this wasn't available on the demos, and I don't think it's going to be available at launch, trans- translation. Oh, okay. So I guess if you have... If you have like text highlighted, then you can long press the button to translate it. I don't I mean right now you can just highlight the text and tap on the translate button. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how that how that helps. Or maybe but. it lets you like if you haven't highlighted anything, it just like launches the translate app if you're in like a foreign country or something, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That'd be really kinda of cool. But I will say the setting the setting screen for choosing, which actually oh, yeah. is the most over the top setting screen I think Apple's ever made. It's like, but it looks so good. Zach, Zach, um, our colleague Zach, I was talking to him the other day, and he made a funny point that like system settings on Ventura, they like drained the um, keyboard and mice section of all of the videos of like the actual, oh, yeah. you know, fully <laughs> rendered shots of how here's how you yeah. do a gesture on the trackpad to literally like geometric circles and squares. Literally, it's just like two circles on a, on a rectangle. But then here comes the M50 action button, <laughs> and the engineers clearly had nothing else to work on, so they've made a fully 3D rendered of the side of the phone, and it like rotates as you like slide through the options or whatever. And I think yeah. it even like responds to like gyroscopes. So if you like mm-hmm. change the setting and then you tilt to the side, it like tilts it on the screen as well to like match. It's like they went all out to make a very skeuomorphic interface here, because like on the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch settings for the action button is just like a standard list, you know, with an arrow or a tick, a check mark, and it's the one that you pick. But mm-hmm. on the iPhone 15 Pro, it gets a top-level <laughs> menu item, and when you go into it, it goes to like this like black background, full rendering of the side of the phone. It's kind of wild. The thing I've seen people complaining about is that it's a press and hold. It's not just a press to activate whatever you have the action button linked to. This makes sense, I think, Does to it? avoid it, to avoid ac- accidental input. I think it makes sense, mm. but it definitely makes it less useful. How, like, do you press the buttons on your phone incorrectly a lot, do you think? I think people press the volume buttons accidentally a lot. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. This felt like a weird... I don't know. Like, the power button on the other side of the phone literally turns the phone off. And yeah. I never accidentally press it. You know? It's the same button on it's, the other side of the phone. Like, I, it doesn't... It feels kind of overly cautious to me, but I... You know, I don't think Apple would have made it press and hold if they didn't have a good reason to do it. Yeah, I mean, they say it's to avoid accidental input, but it's it's like a press, hold, to, then it goes. So it's not super long. And if you press it, it once, it, it still just like it pops up on the screen to tell you to hold. <laughs> yeah, it'll say hold to whatever you have the button linked to, so like hold for camera or hold to voice memo or whatever. So, like, I guess they're protecting against accidental input in your pocket, but then the screen's off, so then they could just ignore it when the screen's off. Uh, Like, I was kind of annoyed at this. I was like, it'd be a lot nicer if you could just click it. (laughs) It's like the Dynamic Island to a certain degree, because right now on the Dynamic Island, you have to press and hold to actually bring up, like, the little menu thing, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just press. At least there's consistency between both of them, even though it's the wrong consistency. But it's inconsistent with the same button on the opposite side of the phone. Yeah, like that is true. That's why it's weird to me. Uh, and I think, as well as it not be, as it being like maybe there could be an option there down the road and they can like change it. But I also think it'd be nice if you could have like 
I click and a long press do a different thing, you know? Yeah. The power yeah. button does that. You can click it to turn the screen on and off, or you can hold it down to do Siri. The action button only does one action. Because this was interesting, actually. When I was tweeting about the fact that it was weird that you have to press and hold, a lot of people replied to me who would... Then again, this is on Tuesday, right after the keynote, right? So, like, people are, like, reading mm-hmm. it or whatever. Um, a lot of people reply saying, no, 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 no you long press to change the ring and silent and you just tap it, you just click it to do your custom action. I was like, so that's how people interpret it based off the keynote video. But that is not how it works. It, the action button yeah. only does one thing. You press and hold and it only does whatever you pick in the settings. Do you think a double press would be more would be better than a press and hold? Mm, probably not. Yeah. But they could add a double press as like a secondary action option, you know? Because cause my, like, I use my phone. This is, like, less related to the gestures, but just the fact that now it's an action button instead of a mute silent switch in general, right? I use my phone always in silent mode. So moving to a button is more useful because I wear an Apple Watch, right? So I have the phone on silent, I have the Apple Watch on silent, mm-hmm. and I just rely on vibration. That's it. And so my phone is always in silent. It never makes a noise. So what's the point of having a physical switch on the side that I never press? And the, if you're talking yeah. about accidental input, occasionally the switch gets flicked and it's like, <laughs> well, that's stupid. But now uh, you don't have to do that anymore. And you can put, you can actually use that side of your phone for something useful. Because uh, I haven't touched the ring silent switch on purpose for five years, right? Like I never, uh, how often do you, do I change ring and silent? Very, 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 very rarely. So yeah, if I had a 15 neither. Pro, I would 100% be picking a different action. What would you pick? Well, I guess it would be a camera button. I think that's what I'm thinking too. The one thing I can't get an answer on is what it does. So if the phone is locked and you press and hold the action button and you have the action button linked to the camera, presumably it takes you right to the camera app without unlocking your phone. But I can't get confirmation of that. And the phones in the demo area obviously didn't have passcodes on them. Mm. I imagine it has to do that because that's what it does if you have an un, if you have a locked phone and you just click on the camera button on the right, shortcut. Yeah. It takes you to a camera UI where you can take photos and you can review the photos you've taken, but you can't see any of the photos taken mm-hmm. before that point unless you fully authenticate it. And that's how the old... Remember the smart battery case that mm-hmm. had the camera shutter button? That's how that worked too, And I'll just so. point out the smart battery case, you didn't need to hold the button down. You just had yeah, to click that's it. true. They didn't care about accidental input back then. And then when you're in the camera app, obviously it's your shutter button, so press and press repeatedly. And that in the camera app, when you do that, it is just a press. There's no press and hold. Okay. So, but it's kind of different to the action button on the watch, right? Because like the watch is more contextual. So like if you have the watch set to like start a workout, for instance, you can click the. You don't have to press and hold on the on the ultra on the ultra either, but you click on it, right, and it launches the workout, mm-hmm. and then you can click again, and it like does something inside the workout but on the iphone action button they mentioned the camera shutter but that's like the only contextual action it does and there isn't an api right now for developers to change it or or extend it or do anything with it um so it is a bit different to like it's called an action button but it's a bit different to how the watch action button works i will say accidental input on the action button on the watch is bad at least for me I had it linked to the flashlight, and I kept accidentally activating the flashlight. So I ended up just turning it off completely because there is a setting on the watch to disable it, which I don't think is on the phone. I assume if you don't want the action button to do anything, it just they want you just to link it to mute or unmute. 
do you uh, i guess you we don't know yet but like if you set up a brand new iphone 15 pro in the setup screens is it going to ask you to change it i would imagine yeah. it does on the apple watch ultra does it, it okay. prompts you to choose what you want the button linked to so i would think so okay yeah but so the default they made clear is that if you don't do anything it goes to mute unmute yeah because if people got the phone and it didn't have it in the sub screens i bet a lot of people never change it but if it's presented to you then people might flick around a bit and then they're adding a what a silent mode thing to the control center is that right did you see that yeah there's a there's a toggle in the control center now because they couldn't do that before because they would get out of sync it was a physical switch on the side so it wouldn't be able to reflect the state of the software right but on um ipod touch and ipad there's a there's a ring silent button yeah control center and now they can be there for the phone too anything else on the action button Uh, i think it's all right i think it's better than the switch but i don't know yeah 100 right (laughs) it's a button at the end of the day our colleague michael potuck he said he plans to use the action button with a shortcut to unlock and open his tesla's trunk which is apparently a thing that you can do in shortcuts that's kind of cool so that's that's like the prime example of why it's probably a press and hold (laughs) not just the press have tesla trunks flying open everywhere it, do you want me to go full conspiracy theory for a second? This is stupid. Of course. But. Hit me. Hit me. So what was the rumor about these buttons for a while? Solid state. Yeah. Ah, I see. Right? So if you've got a solid yeah. state button, you probably do need to press and hold to make sure you're actually yeah. pressing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And then in March, they were like, we can't do solid state buttons. It's a physical button. But, oh, it's too late. The software's staying the same. Oh. I'm sure that was super last minute. That is a funny theory I came up with. Next year, then. Next year. The chip inside is A17 Pro, not A17 Bionic. And this presents, I think you pointed this out on Twitter, an interesting challenge for next year when presumably the A17 moves down to what would be the iPhone 16 and iPhone 16 Plus. Is it called the A17 Pro when it moves to those phones? Is it called just the A17? It's it's like the U1, U2 chip. I, I think there's two, there's two possibilities here. One is the... Because I don't think they're just going to put the A17 Pro chip in the iPhone 16. But mm-hmm. it's just sounds silly. So I think one thing they might do is they might have a binned version of the A17 Pro in the iPhone 16. Yeah. So less core mm-hmm. count, right? And that's how they'll justify it not being the Pro model, even though it's basically the same, but it's just slightly underspecced. Um because they have, like we said before, I think it was it was either the iPhone 13 or the iPhone 12, they'd have like the the iPhone 13 had like the A15 with a 4-core GPU and the A15 yeah. the A13 Pro had a 5-core GPU in it, right? So they could probably do that here with the A17, right? So rather than a 6-core GPU, they could have a 4-core um gpu instead right and bin it around or something and maybe have one less cpu core or something and then they don't necessarily have all like the pro res decoders like that so that's one way they could brand an a17 non-pro the other option is that this a17 pro chip is only coming to this phone and next year they'll have an a18 and an a18 pro that's what i thought was going to happen yeah so then like this is like a transition year right next year the new strategy is we're going to have A18 and A18 Pro, kind of like how they have M1 and M1 Pro, right, on the Macs. Mm-hmm. So they would have a yeah. 
an, another generation of chip that has a special version for the base model phones and then a better boosted model for the pro model phones this year it just so happens that the a17 is only coming to the pro phone so that's why we only have a17 pro as expected this is a three nanometer chip industry first six core cpu with apple saying the performance cores are up to 10 percent faster and the efficiency cores are faster as well, which theoretically means they're switching to those performance cores less often. They didn't put a number Maybe on the efficiency core, unfortunately. Yeah. The 10% faster CPU number, like that, I don't I don't know if our hopes were too high yeah. for what the 3 nanometer thing would offer, but it seems, seems disappointing. When they said this during the keynote, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to bank another hour of battery life. But then the battery life is the same too. So I was a bit disappointed. Again, I like I was expecting a bit more from the three nanometer transition. I guess they've spent some of the die space on the GPU and the bigger neural engine and stuff. But ultimately what people really care about is CPU speed. And ten percent is fine, but I was expecting with a shrink. And they did say that the architecture's changed too, so like it's like a double whammy, but um, Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more here to be honest. More like twenty percent or something, but there you go. Because the battery life numbers, at least according to Apple's estimates, are identical. Yeah, are unchanged, yeah. So, like, the 15 Pro Max is 29 hours of video playback. 15 Pro is 23 hours. 15 Plus is 26 hours, which is also unchanged. But I always forget that it's actually higher than the Pro Max. Hopefully, there's, like, just some... Because you could argue that the 14 Pro is not getting anywhere close to Apple's estimates. Yeah. <laughs> so, it could just be, like... They're like, oh, it's better, but we can't raise the number because currently we're not hitting the number we advertise. So, yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's their quoted number. Maybe in real life, we'll find out that the 15 Pro actually gets better than the 14 Pro does. You know. Otherwise, a 17 Pro. It seems like the focus here is really on GPU. So, a new six-core GPU that Apple says is 20% faster. With a big focus on gaming. So they say improved subst- uh, improved sustained performance for games. Hardware accelerated ray tracing. Can you explain what exactly this means? What hardware accelerated ray tracing? Yeah, like is it just a gaming thing? Basically. <sighs> I don't really... I, I kind of know what it is, but I don't really know how to explain. Basically, the way that games... I mean, it does apply to other things that are rendered too, but like mostly this is about games, right? So if you have a 3D scene and you want to light the object in the scene, it's very expensive to actually compute the reflections, Mm -hmm. the light bouncing around to make it realistic to human life, right? Because in real life, light rays hit on things and they bounce around millions and millions of times where they hit your eyeballs, right? Right. That's what a Mm -hmm. ray of light is. And that's what what generates the colour. Um, so, for the longest time, 3D scene generation would not do those kind of rain simulations. They would do approximation based on, like, big balls of light. Or, like, this part of the room is coloured yellow, and this part of the room is coloured blue, and then it blends together and you get a colour that reflects, right? So, it, but if you actually looked at the shadows and the reflections and the, you know, bouncing of light that's shown, it wouldn't look like a real... It wouldn't look like reality, right? Because it was just basically doing a cheap approximation. As graphics cards got more and more powerful uh, on desktop, they started doing ray tracing, right? Which is literally 
we will model the beam individual beams of light that are coming to your eye. Now, in the real world, this this happens by the fact that the rays of light start at the sun and they come down to you, right? In software, yeah. they do it in reverse. So they do it, the rays of light coming from the camera outwards and then finding where they end up. And it's not still not identical to real life because real life, the bouncing is essentially infinite, right? It can bounce an infinite number of times. And if it's bounced so much that it, that it finally hits your eye after a long time, it's a black, right? It's dark. But on the phone, on the on, in software land, they can't do it infinitely because then it would never end. So they pick some like number. So it could be like ten thousand bounces, a hundred thousand bounces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if you have enough bounces, it starts looking much more realistic. You can do ray tracing software-wise, so on the CPU, but it, it's quite expensive. It takes a long time. Um, you can do it on the GPU, and you can do you can have hardware accelerated ray tracing, which is basically on the GPU but even more right. efficient. Kind of like how the neural engine is designed to do machine learning tasks, right? There's like, they've designed the GPU in a way that it can do ray tracing really quickly. And so in the demo on the keynote, they had like non-hardware accelerated ray tracing, which is running at like eight frames per second. And then they had hardware accelerated ray tracing, uh, which is running at 30 frames per second. So basically, a game can actually use realistic lighting and it not have a terrible frame rate. Apple's press release specifically says hardware accelerated ray tracing is four times faster than software based ray tracing. And they there's an interesting focus on gaming where they said Jawswiak said they have partnerships that are gonna bring console games to iPhone fifteen Pro. So there's Resident Evil Village, which is already available, I think. And then coming Oh, it's at least available next- on the Mac already. Is it okay? Yeah, because yeah. Resident Evil Village was the game they used for the M2. Oh yeah, generation. Yeah, like last fall, I think they 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 showed Resident Evil Village coming to the Mac, or maybe it was the summer. Maybe it was with the was it the summer with the um, M2 Ultra? Maybe anyway, they've 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 demoed Resident Evil Village for the Mac before on one of these presentations for one of the M2. It was either the M2 Ultra or the M1 Ultra, yeah. right? And But now it's available on iPhone 15 or will be shortly available on iPhone 15 Pro as well with high graphical fidelity thanks to the GPU, supposedly. They showed me some game demo in Steve Jobs Theater after the fact. I think it was that one. I, th- I don't know enough Diablo. about Diablo. They were showing a lot of people with Diablo. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Um, but it... It looked good. I don't know exactly what I was supposed to be looking for, yeah. but it ran fast. And The only crash they had during any of the demos was doing the new portrait mode stuff. I think in the it was on the standard 15. They kept trying to change the subject, and the, and the Photos app kept crash, crashing. Oh, really? Okay, that's funny. But otherwise, everything was good. Yeah. I think this is going to sound weird, but like the iPhone 15 Pro being able to do more AAA games properly is like a good thing for like the Mac or the iPad or the Apple TV. Yeah. Because yeah. unit sales wise, as we speak about all the time, iPhone is dominating by a country mile every other Apple product. So when the iPhone can do something, people come and make stuff for it. And it's not going to be, too, if you're making for the Apple Silicon architecture for the iPhone, it's not going to be too much additional work to also release that on Apple's other platforms. So if yeah. the iPhone 15 can have a decent graphical fidelity using a proper AAA game again 
quote unquote, right? Who knows exactly how how it shakes up or which it, what it can support or what it can't support. But they say that, like for instance, the new Assassin's Creed is coming to the iPhone 15 Pro, which is like the first time a true console game has come to the phone as well. But if that's happening, it's also going to come to the Mac because it's going to be really easy to make. And maybe down the road, uh, they'll put uh, like an A17 chip in the Apple TV as well, and you can have games on the TV, yeah. right? So like, it's great for the phone, but like people want to play games. Like AAA games are not played on a six-inch screen, right? They're played on desktops or TV televisions, and so it's great that they they've got this capability in the iPhone. But uh, it will almost have a bigger impact, I'd expect, on Apple's other form factors. Because remember, the A17 is going to be the basis of the M3, mm-hmm. which we expect maybe next month in the first Max, maybe sometime early next year. Yeah, so, so yeah, the, that should so be the graphics. The GPUs on like M2 Ultra for, or M3 Ultra will be like super impressive. Is, yeah, is the theory. Do you remember that story from the information? I think it was after the iPhone 14 Pro event last year, where they said the original intention was that the A16 would have this like next generation GPU mm-hmm. technology, but they like really messed up in the engineering process and had to scrap it at it the was, last like, minute. Overheating, yeah, yeah. So I guess this is probably the same, is probably what they intended for the A16 Bionic last year, just delayed by a year. Which I wonder, too, if the plan was for it to be in the A16, then presumably the plan was for it to be in the M2 as well? Probably, yeah. So everything kind of got pushed by a year. So hopefully that means this generation's a little bit more exciting than the M2 and the A16. Yeah, M2 is okay, but it wasn't anything wild um i think m3 three nanometer we'll get we'll probably get at least 10 percent cpu improvement if not 20 percent. you know because they can scale mm-hmm. it a bit more on the mac um and then you get the gpu stuff too so yeah the the apple silicon desktop uh situation will be pretty pretty good based on the initial tests here and i think we've already seen geekbench results come out and they basically confirm the 10 oh yeah uh, benchmark mm-hmm. improvement and stuff on cpu or whatever so very nice. USB, USB-C, but the difference here compared to the iPhone 15 is that it has a USB 3 controller, which offers 10 gigabytes a second transfer speeds. The rumor was Thunderbolt, maybe, and that offers, what, up to 40 gigabits per second mm-hmm. transfer speeds. So we didn't get all the way there, but 10 gigabits is still a really nice improvement. Yeah, and they really laid it on for like the pro camera stuff here, where it's like, because it's a it's a secret fact that whenever they showed before, people taking like pro res raw video uh, video or photos, that you know studios don't really want to do it because the phone would just fill up space so quickly and it was impractical. And whenever they did those like shot on iPhone videos, the way they would get around it is they just have like. 20 iphone 14 yeah. ready to go and like okay they shoot a minute okay it's filled up right get the next one out and while that was going on people would be like plugging into itunes to copy across at 480 megabits a second which takes forever <laughs> um, but now they actually have a decent speed thing so a you can get the files off quicker and they even have like this direct shooting mode where you can plug in a USB-C yeah. hard drive and film directly to the hard drive so you can have a 256 gigabyte iphone but have a two terabyte ssd connected to it which is Nice little change. But the cable that comes in the box with the iPhone 15 Pro is still USB 2.0 speed, so you'll have to buy the 3.0 cable separately. 
One thing they didn't address at all, so I assume it's unchanged, is our charging speeds. So there's no... Doesn't seem like USB-C enabled faster charging for iPhone 15 Pro. Yeah, it seems the same. But I think the phone can output slightly more power to an accessory connected to it now. So like they showed you can charge your AirPods... Like, if you've oh, got yeah. AirPods Pro, you can connect via mm-hmm. wire, not wireless, right? It's not reverse wireless charging, but you can connect via wire, and your phone can charge your AirPods that way. Presumably, you can plug in a USB-C to a lightning cable, too, and charge an older pair of AirPods? I guess so. Unless lightning wasn't ready to send power in the other direction. I'm not sure about that, but... is it? It's not sending power in the other direction, though, because it's... The USB-C end is sending the power to the lightning end. So it should work. I think it would work. Well, you can buy the $29 adapter and tell me. Well, I plan on it. (laughs) One other thing I'll point out, which is kind of a curiosity of the A17 Pro section, was they specifically called out an AV1 hardware decoder. Oh, yeah. um, Which Apple had a massive back-and-forth fight with for ages. Um about video codecs, right? And this especially showed up on the Apple TV, or and this is a big deal a few years ago because YouTube wanted to stream VP9 and Apple wanted to stream, mm-hmm. you know, HEVC, H.264. Eventually, Apple caved and they supported software decoding for v, for VP9, which is what YouTube streams, um, on the Apple TV. And I can't remember, at least at launch, they didn't do it on the other the, the mobile devices for battery life reasons. They might have relaxed that, but at least originally they, they made a special exception for the Apple TV to support VP9 just so YouTube could stream 4K, right? Mm-hmm. And the next generation of 4K and above video format is AV1. And Apple, and I believe Netflix is already streaming AV1 in many distributions and much content apple is on the board of like the consortium for av1 and so yeah they're they're backing it but right now they stream everything in hevc or h264 but they've started to put the hardware decoders on the chips for av1 so you know in three years time the itunes store could be serving you av1 instead and but it's nice that this time around the the de facto standard of the future they're already on board with you know so and they're already putting in the chips so the camera system here, so there's a few changes. The first being the 48 megapixel main camera has a larger sensor. And one thing Apple especially called out, and I think we've both complained about yep. it, is the lens flare yep. problem. I was sad which they said that. Yeah, They say it's fixed. So this is the problem where you point it like anywhere with like a light in the background or in the corner and that small like... What is it like a blue flare appears? Yeah, or like I see like four green dots, like in a little row. Yeah, green dots. Yeah. yeah. They said we they... always wondered why Apple couldn't just figure out a software software way to remove those, but I guess it's tied yeah, to this. Get the neural engine on it. Yeah, but I guess you need a new camera to do it. But they they they, they, they basically said they got a new lens coating, which reduces lens flare. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so hopefully that's true because that'd be really nice. What else is new with the 48 megapixel main? It gets the same 24 megapixel default resolution, the same 48 megapixel heath file option. But then there's also now the option to switch between three focal lengths right in the camera app. So this is, what are they? They're 24 millimeter, 28 millimeter, 35 millimeter. So if you tap... And this is on the 1X camera. Yeah, on the 1X. 
So if you tap on the One X button in the camera app, you can choose, or you can go to the settings app and set a default. So you can set your default to 24 millimeter One X, 28 millimeter 1.2 X, or 35 millimeter 1.5 X. This seems like a little bit of a random thing to add. And I don't know, like, there's the difference between 24 and 28. Do people care that much? And like, it's, is it just cropping? Like, is there any magic I, here? Because like, you 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 tap on it and it changes from like one to one point two, right? Like, so like, yeah, exactly. So like, it flashes up like twenty eight millimeter or whatever, but then after a second, it just changes to the the X, so like one point two X. So is it any difference between doing that and just like pinching a zoom into one point two? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, it's quicker, I guess. It yeah. Gets... Okay. <laughs> but is there like a group of people who has a very strong opinion that the default should be one point two X instead of one X, like? Yeah, but surely the people that care about that also care about not digitally cropping the image. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, this felt kind of random. Like, if they were doing something cleverer, like the cat to the like the you know the actual like optics to like make it work at different focal length. Because also, it, focal lengths aren't just cropping; they like change how the photo looks. Like, you know, like severance, right? They change the focal length there, and you see like the face deform, right? Depending on what what it's at. That's what happens when you change zoom. Right, your yeah. the, the, you look at a human's face and the like the features change in a different way and they like you know scope to the middle or whatever. But like digital cropping doesn't do that. So are they like doing a digital simulation of focal length or is it literally just cropping? Uh, it wasn't very clear in the presentation or in the hands-on either. The big change, of course, is don't call it periscope. The new optical zoom up to five x. So they didn't call this periscope at all. They called it a tetra prism is that what it was yeah <laughs> is that periscope is, periscope. is that something it, it is a periscope yeah, it's exactly what we're expecting it to be right tetra prism lens design it, i mean like some samsung's like android phones do it slightly differently where they like go a bit more up the vertical of the phone whereas the tetra prism is like more integrated still into the module it just like bounces around a few right. times but this is a prism it, it like the it's just a slightly different layout of a pet- of a periscope lens. Like when people say periscope lens throughout this entire year, nobody was expecting like that you can like a- the periscope is variable or moves around or adjusts, right? Like that's not what it means. It means a fixed thing. It's just tilted so that there's longer distance for the optics to travel, which gives you magnification. This is exactly what it is. Uh, but Apple called it a bit more precisely a tetraprism because I-, I do think it's slightly different to like the periscope lenses you see in other phones, but. In, in some ways good, in some ways bad, but it is it is the same principle, right? Like rather than going yeah. directly forward, they like um, reflect it off a few mirrors first before it gets picked up by the lens, which gives you optical zoom. The difference, like you said, between some other phones is Apple iPhone. The iPhone 15 Pro has a f- iPhone 15 Pro Max rather has a 5x optical zoom range, and that's on the lower end of what was rumored, and it's a lot lower than what. Like Samsung's S23 Ultra goes out to 10x, I think. So it's more conservative. Is why do you think Apple is only at 5x? Is it because it's is it like a principled stance? Like adding going to 10x would have been would have reduced the image in other ways. Uh, I'm, or is it just a hardware thing? I'm not sure, and I don't know the technical optics here enough to be confident without seeing demo photos. But what I will say is, the 3X camera is noticeably worse 
than the 2X or the 1X camera, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, is the 5X camera the same quality as the 3X camera that we're used to? Is it better or worse? Is it better than the 10X optical zoom that you can get on a Samsung phone? And that's why they pick 5X, because they want because they, they stressed it at the 25% larger sensor, right? With a, a pretty mm-hmm. good aperture of 2.8. Um, or is that all irrelevant and they're just behind? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe they, they, they chose this because they they tried to balance raw zoom and image quality. We won't know really till the reviews come out next week and people have done side-by-side yeah. photos. Because if the photos are, if the quality of the image is the same as what Samsung can do, except Samsung can go even further, you know, then it's just strictly worse. But I imagine they pick 5X for some reason and for they they chose a compromise of, you know, light capture, sensor size, zoom. The other issue is by moving from 3X to 5X, now if you're at 3X, you're digital cropping the 1X lens, right? So if Apple had gone to 10X and then you wanted to zoom to 5X, you'd be digital cropping 1X, you'd be digital cropping 2, 3X, 4X, 5X, 6X, 7X, 9X, 10X, right? So picking 5X is more in the middle, for instance. So that might have been another design decision there. And overall, I am a bit hesitant to be like fully embracing of the 5X thing because if it's just the same quality as the 3X, don't know if it's going to be that appealing to people because like then if you do want a 3x zoom you've got a crop 1x so it's like a compromise um and so i feel like the 5x optical zoom camera has got to be like pretty good quality for it to like justify itself does that make sense you know what i mean losing out on that 3x telephoto only gaining this new 5x option for some people that might be a step backwards Mm -hmm. 5x might be too much optical zoom Whereas the 3X was the sweet spot. Yep. Because 3X to 5X, I mean, it's it's different, but it's not as big of a difference as... It's not going to get some of those, like, viral Taylor Swift concert Zoom videos that we see on Twitter and TikTok all the time. Yeah, well, the, vi- the, viral, the viral videos are, what, like 30X? Yeah. But the 30X is including digital Zoom. Right. So- and the new telephoto in the iPhone 15 Pro Max does enable up to 25X digital Zoom. I think it was limited to... F- what 15, 15 x i think yeah yeah but obviously if you're going if you're doing it's better to have a 10x as optical and then to get to right, 30 yeah it's to start at five and go to 30 so like but then also like some of these other phones do like machine learning adjustments and stuff to improve the grain when you zoom in more maybe apple's doing some of that maybe the 3d sensor shift optical image stabilizer thing that they really were really proud of will actually compensate and like there's a lot of variables here that we don't know until we see actual photos of people have taken of it other camera stuff the so the 3d sensor shift optical image stabilization it's there's a part moving around inside the can you explain this i'm lost on it like my eyes glazed over so so they had sensor shift oas in previous years phones but it was 2d yeah so it would move up and down and left and right is my understanding this year, it also goes, like, in the other dimension. So, right, X, Y, and Z, you know? So, like, forward and back inside the yeah. sensor. And so... Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, OIS works by basically just moving the lens in the opposite direction that you move the phone. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you move the phone up a centimeter, it can move the lens down a bit, which compensates so it looks like you haven't moved. And if it's 3D, then I guess they can recreate and invert more of your 
hand movement to make it stable which if you've got a because the 3x lens is grainy and noisy because partly because the image stabilization is not as good so maybe this year you've got a bigger sensor taking in more light with a better optical image stabilization there's at least the parts there the recipe to make a better resulting image um because i don't think the 3x lens is very good so i'm hoping the 5x lens is better because i don't really care whether it's 3x or 5x it's the image quality that matters right you know yeah anything for the ultra wide camera no i could see they i mean obviously that new just benefit from the new smart hdr yeah yeah the new stack the smart hdr blah 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 applies uh but there was nothing i believe it's the same lens yeah better smart hdr better low light performance but that's all through software yeah i I guess i'm more i think overall i'm more optimistic that the 24 megapixel shooting mode on the main camera will have a bigger impact on day-to-day photo quality than the optical zoom 5x lens and you won't even have to or to at least get the 24 megapixel setting Mm, you do 24 megapixel is not is only on the 15 series so what's coming to the 14 series then? You can have 48 megapixel Heath. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the 24 is using the next generation image signal processor to yeah. combine a 48 megapixel detail with 12 megapixel low light capture to fuse them together. Um, yeah, it's confusing. Some of the features come to the old phones, but the 24 megapixel is new for 15 and 15 Pro. We were talking about this in Slack last night and... Even our colleague Jeff Benjamin, who is a camera nerd and knows everything there is to know and understands all of these words, even he he said his eyes kind of glazed over during Apple's presentation of it all. I think that's been true for a few yeah. years, though, in their like, pro camera segment. They always like it, reel off a load of stuff. But. It's more confusing this year, too, just with the fact that the 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max are different now. So there's one more variable they have to explain. It's... I think people just want to take the best pictures they can. And when Apple gets super technical, I don't know if it benefits them, if that makes sense. And when they're vague about what phone gets what features (laughs) and what features are coming to the old phones, it makes it messy. The thing that really matters is when the reviews come out, people will take photos side by side of the old phone and the new phone and a Samsung phone and, and the Google Pixel probably. And you can very quickly tell whether all the jargon they just spoke about actually matters or not. You know, like... You'll yeah. be able to tell very quickly, is the phone better at taking photos? Apple can never... It doesn't matter how they present it to you. You can never trust their demo shots, right? Because they're always perfect. No. So they could say literally anything and you would have to take it at face value or take it with a pinch of salt, whichever you know side of the equation you come on. If you actually care, wait until Monday or Tuesday and we'll find out then, you know? <laughs> it almost feels like they just throw all these terms and words at you to like confuse you well yeah i mean that is the marking of it right like, yeah they call everything pro because it sounds better and like last year right 40 megapixel sensor was brand new and i was expecting it to have a bigger impact than it did and then the reviews came Nothing. out and people were like yeah in day-to-day shooting it's basically the same as last year so we'll find out that conclusion for the 15 series very very shortly but you can't you can't never tell that from apple's keynote video I wonder if this is an area that is would be better if it was in-person keynotes again. I don't know. I think that segment's about the same. They probably present it very similarly if it was in person, right? I guess. I will say that I'm now on your side about wanting to go back to in-person keynotes as opposed to preferring the video format. 
Good. mainly just because if you're going to invite people, it's more engaging. Yeah. If you're going to invite press, you're going to have an in-person component. I don't know. It's just more engaging and it's more humanizing. Like it doesn't just feel like a polished marketing video. The randomness is part of the fun, you know? Like Yeah. With the exception of the Octavia Spencer thing, this keynote, there was like no, it didn't feel like there was any humor, personalization, humanity, if that makes sense. Like it just was very stringent and straight to the points and move on. Okay, let me give you an example, right? Craig Federighi, he became mm-hmm. people's favorite presenter because of the audience interaction, you know, like people would yeah. cheer and he'd go, yeah, and he'd go, and there'd be that, you remember when he was, was it iOS 7 or 8 or whatever? And he was like, and here's what the marketing people think your family look like, you know, on the camera reel, and everyone laughed. And yeah. like, those, that spontaneity, you're not going to get in the polished videos, right? It's just true. So the in-person events are definitely better for me. I think Apple likes the recorded videos because nothing can go wrong. Yeah. Uh, but maybe at some point they'll change their mind, but they they haven't shown any indication they're going to. We do have one more feature to discuss, though, in terms of the camera for the 15 Pro. Vision Pro. The Vision Pro yeah. thing, yeah. So Apple says, iPhone 15 Pro will be able to record spatial video for Vision Pro. So this is what the dad in the widely mocked clip of the Vision Pro keynote was doing, but he was wearing the headset. Mm-hmm. So he looked completely not in the moment. He hadn't been disclosed on the forthcoming iPhone. Yeah. And it turns out Apple was months away from just saying that you could do this on your iPhone without putting on the $3,500 face computer to at your kid's birthday party. So this is cool. This it is cool. And the way they explained it is that you turn the iPhone on the side and it uses the the, the physical distance between the ultra wide and the main lens to be able mm-hmm. to capture the two angles which then come together for stereoscopic 3D. However, I do have some questions or at least I don't know concerns or questions, right, depending on your perspective. One, the distance between the ultra wide and the main camera lens is not very much. Yeah. It's pretty close together. On the Vision Pro, the distance between the cameras is pretty wide, right? More similar to your actual eyes. So on the Vision Pro itself, you can see how they can take these two angles and combine them to a 3D image because it's basically recreating what your eyes do. Here, the the lenses are much closer than the distance between your pupils. So they're going to have to be doing special source magic to render this, right? Just to, just to make up the distance secondly right. yeah the main lens and the ultra wide take different shots of the same scene so they're going to have to be doing like sensor fusion machine learning stuff to artificially fake it because the ultra wide takes a very different perspective than the main camera does anyway maybe it only works by cropping in so like you only get the center of the ultra wide lens right or something i guess my question here is is the spatial video you shoot on your iphone 15 pro the same quality as the spatial video you could shoot on your vision pro or is one going to look good and one's going to look mediocre? We don't know yet. It could be like a quality versus quantity thing. Having the iPhone just be like, they're willing to compromise a little bit on the quality just to give people more, more spatial video to have. And this means too that you can start presumably taking spatial video later this year on an iPhone 15 Pro. So you have a library of stuff to look at when you spend your $3,500 early next year. That comes to my third question. Okay. If you shoot spatial video in your 15 Pro and you don't have a Vision Pro, can you do anything to look at the 3D nature of the video? <laughs> yeah. Can you like tilt the phone and it like tilts the 
the angle a little bit or something. Like, I don't know. I wonder if Apple knows. I wonder how much of this is like a response to that being the worst part of the demo. Yeah, do you think they literally started working on this feature yeah. the day after? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's literally like th- two, three sentences in the press release for the iPhone 15 Pro. So you do it does make you think. Yeah, as they say, they don't say what what resolution it records at. They don't say like anything about it. Uh, I get the impression that it won't be as good as the video you can take on the headset itself. Yeah, I think you're I, right. I just don't see how it can be. And so in the long arc of hist- of, of the future, they probably still need an iPhone that has lenses further apart, right? Yeah. That has one mm-hmm. end on the left side of the phone and one lens on the right side of the phone um, to actually do this stuff if spatial video is the future of the world, you know? Um, but at least this is something uh, that hopefully will be good enough to actually be useful or not a gimmick and because obviously you saw they showed you a video they showed you the birthday video right in your demo in your 30 minute demo vision pro and that was taken on the vision pro itself and seemed to be in pretty good quality there was the birthday demo and there was a campfire demo which was that that one was really impressive because it was like such a low light condition yeah let me put it this way the ultra wide on the iphone is not very good in low light like so even ignoring the lens you know differences the disparity between the 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 distance between the lenses just the quality of the lenses is probably not as good as what you get on the vision pro lenses because i'm pretty sure the vision pro lenses also just bigger they look bigger um so we'll see how it goes at least it's a attempt to resolve that issue um but we won't know maybe until early next year when the vision pro comes out (laughs) whether the photo video you've already taken is any good yeah (laughs) pricing wise Anything else on the camera? I think we covered I think the that's big about points. It. Yeah, we'll know a lot more next week once the reviews come out. I think overall, 15 Pro series is decent, decent year over year update. Yeah, the design changes are what stand out most to me. The titanium kind of steals the show. I'm a little bit let down by the Tetra Prism camera, but we'll see. We, we, but, why are you let down by it? Because you're expecting six X. I think so, and also just a better. I don't a better story or explanation for what ex, like how 3x versus 5x is really worth it especially since you're losing that 3x option like I said. Yeah. It just felt a little bit lacking. It'd been hyped up so much in the rumors and we're probably partially responsible for that. But they didn't seem to focus on it as much as I think we were expecting. Yeah, it's about as I expected it would be apart from that it's 5 not 6, right? Yeah, I was hoping, my hope was that the actual sensor would be good, right? And closer to the main camera lens sensor in terms of grain and noise. But the way they presented it, and like you said, not by like boasting about it too much, kind of made me think, oh, this is going to be like the 3X lens, but it's 5X zoom, you know? So that made me less interested in it. (laughs) Pricing-wise iPhone 15 Pro starts at 999 for 128 gigabytes, so that's unchanged. 15 Pro Max starts at 1199 now, but that gets you 256 gigabytes, so they've removed the 128 option, so just knocked out, knocked away that storage tier and the 256 pricing is unchanged. So it, it, yeah, it is a pricing. It's not really price, right? a, but eh, yeah, it's not as bad of. as it could be. Not at all. I mean, the expectation... Because, like, let me put it... Like, they, obviously, you can have this massive debate about, well, they only got rid of one model, so it's the same price. But, like, practically speaking, the 999 iPhone 
let's imagine they did this not to the Pro Max, but to the Pro, right? Yeah. Suddenly, if they did that and they just chopped off the 128 on the Pro as well, the 999 iPhone would now cost you 1099. Like, yeah, I don't care what anyone says. It's, it is a price <laughs> increase. It's just not a particularly bad in price increase, right? Like, because it's comparatively equivalent. But I think I think I was bracing for both the Pro and the Pro Max to get more expensive, right? And so the fact that that didn't happen and it's just the price floor rising on one model uh, was quite a nice surprise. Because um, the rumor was that the prices would go up by $100 and they'd still start at 128 yeah. gigabytes. So, Which didn't happen. Yeah. And there's also no two terabyte option, which was rumored a little bit. Still capped at one terabyte. Pre-orders on Friday. So today, as you're listening to this... And if you are listening to this and you haven't placed your pre-order, then you're probably out of luck for a launch day delivery. So, Yeah, I, I do kind of get the feeling that the 15 Pro and Pro Max are going to be pretty supply-constrained. In particular, it seems like most people are interested in the natural titanium 15 Pro Max. So that one might be especially hard to find. And of course, there were the rumors that 15 Pro Max productions got started a little bit later. Mm. So if that's the most popular option and Apple's a little bit behind... I guess we'll see how because you're not buying anything right that's not true well you're buying a watch buying we already watch. talked about that yeah. but you're not buying an iphone 15 i am not but that is not it that is not nothing i apologize i know the i know the apple watch series 9 is so forgettable uh it has no new features but <laughs> that is what i'm purchasing i i look forward to your complaints in a year when the apple watch x apple watch series x whatever nah, is out uh and the apple watch x series is gonna be the new ultra or the new big fo- there's no this is my current uh, <laughs> thing i'm clinging to the size that i can actually wear won't change next year whatever helps you sleep at night yeah well now i can do sleep tracking on my watch that's true and you can just tell siri or ask siri how much you slept that is true that is true um but what are you what are you ordering 15 Pro Max, natural titanium, 512 gigabytes, I think. Realistically, I'll take any capacity in natural titanium just to get it on launch day. But right now I have the 128 gigabytes and I'm out of storage. And I, in fact, can't install the iOS 17 release Canada oh, no. <laughs> because I have no storage because I filled it up with photos and videos in California. So I need to figure that out. But... So that's why you yeah. don't know about the camera software changes or you haven't heard. Have you heard the ringtones? They changed the ringtone and the text. I tones. haven't. Yeah. I did not hear that. I have not heard those. You know, like the default noise. All those stupid ringtones are why I can't install the update. Yeah. <laughs> the default noise, you know, like a, like a notification from the third party app. Yeah. The default is changed now to a different noise. And Oh, really? Yeah. I missed that. Kind of sounds cool. Uh, anything else? It's fine woven cases. I think we touched on those earlier. Replaced leather. There's a new fine woven um, MagSafe wallet. MagSafe Duo is dead. MagSafe battery pack is dead. Both of those featured lightning, and they've been killed with no replacements. At least so far. Like yeah. I I mean, if they can't ship a USB C AirPods case for the base AirPods. I don't have. I don't take any other things getting removed as like a sign that they're gone forever. That just yeah, they're just running behind. So the MagSafe Duo is probably dead, but I imagine there'll be another MagSafe battery pack at some point. That'd be my guess. We touched on this, but iCloud Plus now has new six terabyte and twelve terabyte plans, thirty dollars or sixty dollars a month. Cheap. 
Yeah. And the five gigabytes iCloud default remains. Incredible. Incredible. Literally unchanged since iCloud was announced back in 2011. Overall, what do you think of this event? Was it Eh, a letdown? Not the best. I think I'd agree. The phone updates are about what I expected. I was expecting a bit more from the watch. Like, uh, uh, obviously, going into it, the rumors for the watch were very scarce. And so yeah. I wasn't, like, expecting in the sense that the rumor mill had said this and this is going to happen, then it didn't happen. But I go back to, like, the year when the Apple Watch got, like, an always-on display. That wasn't really rumored, and then they kind of, like, surprised us with it. So I was like... Surely they got to have something, right, that, that we just don't really know about. And I guess Double Tap was kind of the thing. But double but Tap, yeah. Obviously, that's existing accessibility feature before. Um, but there wasn't that. There wasn't a Black Ultra, which I wouldn't buy, but I thought it would look cool. I would have bought it. And I think the videos did not quite work for me, so it kind of pulled the event back a little bit. It just... The it, videos made it feel cluttered mm. or there wasn't a like that whole section i said this earlier but the whole section around that octavia spencer video the apple watch series 9 then lisa jackson standing in the solar farm i kind of got lost trying to keep up with what was what they were saying was new and it kind of muddled everything. i think they should have okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be phil Schiller for a second right i don't think he works there anymore he supposedly still works on Apple events as an Apple fan. I did see him. I did see him. I, I mean, maybe if he weren't there still, the events would be better cut together. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Okay, so get rid of the M2 Mac Studio mention at the beginning. Get rid of the MacBook Air mention. Move the Vision Pro bit, right, to the end, because then you could segue directly from the spatial photos on iPhone 15 Pro, right? Yeah. So, like, you could do, a, like, a one more thing kind of thing where you don't mention the spatial video feature. So you finish your iPhone 15 section, you talk about it, you give the price, and then you go. And finally, we are really excited to ship the Apple Vision Pro headset early next year. Developers have been loving it. Here's X app doing something we haven't seen before, right? And we've got one more surprise for you, or however they want to frame it. iPhone 15 Pro. Gotta be careful. Shoot spatial video. Boom, boom, boom. So that's what I do for that bit. And the AirPods, AirPods Pro 2.1 can do lossless. Yes, they could have talked about that as well. If they'd have, the reason they probably didn't do that is because they didn't want to call it AirPods Pro with second generation MagSafe charge in case USB C. And just call it AirPods Pro three. Well, they could have done Move that on. indeed, right? Get Phil shit. He was a VP of product marketing, SVP of product marketing. He would solve all this clearly. Uh, so yeah, that sort that out. Um, the birthday saving lives video. I guess you got to keep it, but it's not my favorite environment. I would have Just got rid the of the tagline. I would have got rid of the Mother Nature video from the event, right? Just have Lisa mm. Jackson talk about it, right? Yeah. Um, and then in a month's time, do an ad campaign about Apple 2030, and then you can have the video online. Because I think it was just way too long to put in the middle of the product announcements. When, especially when you were going to repeat half of it from Lisa Jackson directly after. And it's not really that the event was going to be too short without the video, because what it was about a hundred or hundred, an hour and twenty minutes. So take out the six minute video, you're still an hour and ten, hour fifteen. Yeah, they've done plenty of hour long videos. In That's perfectly acceptable. World. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. I think the camera sections were a little bit muddled as well, especially as the details about what was coming to older phones as well started emerging. But it was cool being in Steve Jobs Theater, so I know my I'm a little bit biased probably, just from being 
smelling and being high on whatever they're pumping into Steve Jobs Theater. Look, every event can't be better than the one that came before it, right? Like, to say this isn't their best isn't like a massive denigration. Yeah. Like, this, I would say this probably isn't as good as the 14 Pro event last year, okay? But I'm not, I'm not like, you know, not every single event will be amazing. This was just not one of the amazing ones, all right? There we go. I think the video events, like, I can't even barely remember what the iPhone 14 event was last year. But I can tell you a lot more about, like, the iPhone 6 and 7 events because they were, there was more to them. I think part of the reason why I'm growing tired, too, of the virtual events is I rewatched the iPhone five event with the lightning connector introduction last week and it's just they were more fun they were more fun but it doesn't seem like we'll go back to those anytime soon yeah that is a shame i think that's everything for this week you can send us feedback happy hour at nine to five mac.com find us in apple Podcasts where you can leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to a premium version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year with no ads. You can follow me on Twitter, Macedon, Threads, at Chance H. Miller. I also made a YouTube video this week. Thrilling stuff. Put on my YouTuber hat and made an iPhone 15 Pro hands-on video that I'll put in the show notes. And Mayo, where are you? BZA Mayo. And I'll also put the link to Mayo's YouTube channel in the show notes where he has some, ma- some magic tricks and some good stuff there. So His videos from when he was much younger are better than my iPhone 15 Pro video. I'll, I'll say that. that. All right. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.